Welcome back to another edition of the Last American Pubcast. We are here like our founders used to be in cramped up pubs, but we are doing it virtually and we're having discussions with people and topics that other people don't want you to have. And tonight we are honored to be here tonight with a congressional candidate for Florida District 3 for the U.S. House of Representatives, Justin Waters. Justin, thank you for joining us this evening. Thank you for having me. And of course, we are, as always, the our famous co-host, Mr. PJ, Wartime Propaganda, right next to me. And of course, I'm the host of Let's Be Frank. I'm glad that all of us are here tonight. PJ. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. We got a really great show for you guys tonight. We've got three uh, three uh, politicians lined up for you guys, some interesting people to talk to. Two of these are pre-recorded, so we've already talked to Tom Norton and Ryan Kelly. Those will be later in the show. Uh, very excited to talk to Justin Waters out of Florida and see what's uh, going on down there. Yes, for sure. So before we get going, make sure you grab your favorite beverage. You have it ready to go so that way you can sit back and enjoy and get informed at the same time as we dive into the Last American Pubcast. And welcome again, Justin. I'm glad that you're here tonight. And I know we are a couple weeks out still before early voting takes place in the state of Florida for the primaries for the House, U.S. House of Representatives and all the other elections that are taking place. And I'm Excited that you answered the call. I did reach out to uh, the incumbent, Miss uh, Cat Cam- Representative Cat Kamick, and I have yet to hear back from her. Hopefully, we will hear from back from her. But you have answered that call, and you're here tonight to lay out your vision, lay out your uh, principles, and lay out what direction you believe that the state of Florida and the U.S. Uh, as a country should be moving. So, welcome, welcome. Tell the audience a little bit about yourself, and we'll dive in after that. Well, thank you very much. So. My motivation to run for Congress grew out of the lockdowns in 2020. I'm sure everyone's heard of uh, the baby boom they expected to come out of the lockdowns. Well, there are some politicians and political movements that also grew out of the lockdowns, and that was me. Uh, I was one of many. uh, So we were locked down in 2020. Um, We, the defund the police movement was at its peak. Uh, We couldn't leave our house. Some cities, such as Tampa, we're talking about not even letting people walk their dog. And this was not the America I knew or the America that I wanted to see my kids grow up in. So I knew that something needed to change. Um, So come January 2021, I said to my wife, what do you think about me running for Congress? I said, you know, um, I'm at a time in my life and you are too, that we can do this. And it, it looks achievable. Um, my mother-in-law, she was the first Republican County Commissioner of Columbia County. So I asked her about it and she was right on board. And um, so we decided to do it. We, so we've been organizing and campaigning since January 2021. It was around mid-January, it was around um, July 2021 that I actually filed with the Federal Election Commission. I, I wanted to make sure that I announced my campaign right before the 4th of July. That was intentional. So I wanted to um, it was kind of a symbolic gesture to the public that uh, just like our founding fathers, they fought for our freedom. This was me fighting for our freedom. And 4th of July was like the, the war cry. Yeah, it's, it's funny that you uh, bring up COVID because I feel like um, it's been a theme of the people I've talked to the last week. And uh, really, a lot of people running for the midterms this year is uh, people were sick of the lockdowns. People saw yeah. that uh, the government could do things that we didn't realize they could do as far as keeping everyone in their house. And my state, we even uh, arrest people for fishing, for cutting hair. Yeah. Walmart wasn't allowed to sell plants in the spring when everybody's trying to plant their gardens. It got so ridiculous. I don't think ridiculous. people realize there was 
that much of a heavy hand could come from uh, the federal government and state governments. Yeah, absolutely. And cities and counties. Yeah. Yeah, I was excited to uh, actually hear back from you. And of course, uh, Kat Kamek is the current representative for District 3 uh, here in Florida for the U.S. House of Representatives. And the big biggest red flag for me, at least, was to really start paying attention because we had not had her as a representative prior to the uh, redistricting in Florida mm -hmm. after the U.S. Census and after the maps were redrawn. And she kind of inherited the county that I live in. Uh, was her recent vote, Justin, uh, for the Respect of Marriage Act, which basically redefines marriage um, federally, yeah. and they would enshrine that in, in law if it's able to get through the Senate, which I think right now is kind of DOA and Senate. But she did vote to redefine marriage, and a lot of people in my county were taken back to that. They didn't realize that's who the, this candidate was, and I was yeah. a little taken back by it. And that's when I really kind of started feeling out there. I was like, okay, we need, I need some answers. I need to be able to, you know, help my county figure out who the best candidate to vote for. Because right now, this is the time to do it through a primary and with, uh, with early election right around the corner uh, here in the state of Florida, it's, it would be great to start hearing from the candidates who are running. And you, Justin, it was one of those who answered a call. And you said, I, I followed your Twitter account. I saw what you were saying about, you know, in respect to, the, uh, to that to that bill that was passed in, in Congress. And I want to just kind of take a moment and get yeah. your your reaction to that and what you your thoughts were after you saw how Kat Kamek voted, who you know claims to be a Christian conservative Republican in, in the state of Florida. Yeah, and she claims to be a constitutional conservative. And the correct interpretation of the Constitution, if you consider yourself a constitutional conservative, is the originalist interpretation to interpret the constitution according to the original meaning and interpretation that it was written not the uh, the other alternative view that the liberals use they believe that the constitution is a, a living constitution uh, and her justification for voting the way she did was that the 14th amendment applies to same-sex marriage and that is not the original interpretation of the or application of the, uh, the 14th Amendment, that, that's a more modern um, view. That's the view that the Constitution is a living Constitution. It needs to adapt to the times and changes. And if that's what she believes in, that's fine, but that's not constitutional conservatism. That's the viewpoint that more liberals tend to have. Well, I mean, that that's literally what we just had overturned with with Roe v. Wade being overturned. Exactly. It was the idea that the emanations and the penumbras found in some secret right to privacy in the 14th Amendment uh, gave us uh, gave us the right to ch kill children. And now that that's been stripped away, I think the Democrats are obviously freaking out. And I think it's a little bit unfounded. I think only uh, Clarence Thomas would have the cojones to actually go after something Obergefell. But um, I mean, that was literally just overturned in the Supreme Court that this is not uh, you don't have yeah. these ima imaginary rights in the 14th Amendment. So for her to stick to that, even though uh, as a as an originalist, hopefully you wouldn't even think that. But it's just yeah. been proven in the Supreme Court that this is just not in the Constitution. That's right. And even if Oberfell does get overturned and it goes back to the states, many states would still legalize same sex marriage or they would allow for same-sex civil unions. So I don't think that it's there's a, the same level of a threat that the, um, the abortionists have. So, so there's always been an anti-abortion movement, but the anti-LGBT movement is not quite as large. There are a lot of Republicans 
you would kind of concede that civil unions are okay or that same-sex marriage is okay. So even if the marriage issue goes back to the states, they should not be concerned like the uh, the abortionists are concerned. Yeah, w- one of the things that I think that why it's so important for us to oppose things like same-sex marriage, and I think this has been be- uh, borne out over the years, is uh, that once you have once you've redefined marriage between being a man and a woman, and you've made it clear that you can literally interchange a man and a woman in a relationship, uh, that seems to have inevitably led to where we're at right now with all of the transgender stuff. It's men and women are interchangeable. Yeah, uh, yeah. you know, it, and uh, I mean, you guys are fighting that in your state at least with uh, with uh, DeSantis there. But yes. what do you? What's your thoughts on that? Do you think that uh, is inevitable from from that interpretation? So is it? Yeah, some somewhat. So. This isn't an idea that I've, I've conveyed too much, but I thought about it personally quite a bit. Um, so we know that the left has always been after the patriarchy. The patriarchy to them is the symbol of capitalism, the symbol of oppression. And part of attacking the patriarchy for them historically has been to break down the differences between men and women, to say that there aren't differences. They never reached the, the level where they would say that biological men and biological women are actually the same. But because of the transgender movement, uh, they're, they're essentially weaponizing people with gender dysphoria in order to attack the patriarchy, which, which is ridiculous. Because if, if an individual has gender dysphoria, um, th- they should see a, a psychologist. Um, that's the appropriate response. But we have leftists who are trying to attack the patriarchy, and, and they're using people's vulnerable mental health concerns in order to, to attack the patriarchy. To essentially say that males and females are not any different, even biologically. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, so it's it, a problem. Reading your uh, profile, one of the things that you put out there that you uh, that sets you apart from your uh, from your opponent, Cat Kamek, Representative Cat Kamek, is that your willingness to sign on to the impeachment of Joe Biden and moving mm. through his administration that currently is there. She has refused to sign on to any type of movement to uh, impeach him. Why do you think or why do you think that Joe Biden deserves to be impeached and removed from office? Yeah, yeah. so if we impeach Joe Biden, some Republicans are saying we can't do that because then Kamala Harris will become president. Well, that's not true because even if Kat Kamak co-sponsored a bill to impeach him, it wouldn't pass the House, but even assuming it passes the House, the Senate could acquit. So they, so even if we take back the House in 2022 and we get the Republican majority we need, we could impeach Joe Biden. And if the Senate is that scared of Kamala Harris becoming president, they could just acquit him. But he should be impeached because he completely messed up the Afghanistan crisis. He lied about it. He, when asked about teenagers, Afghanistan teenagers holding on to the plane and falling off in midair because they're so desperate to flee the Taliban. He said that was, what, a few days ago? So his concern is for for the issues is is a threat to the country. Um, It was was more than just negligence. He should have saw what was coming. He wasn't listening to his generals. They're more concerned about COVID in the military and vaccinating military personnel than he was about correctly withdrawing from Afghanistan. And they were more concerned about with um, attacking the imaginary right-wing extremism in the military, which was has been a big goal for the Biden administration. So it, it's complete uh, negligence, recklessness. It, 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 and, and then on top of that, 
he doesn't seem mentally fit to to hold office. And, and we've we've seen that attacked many times um, since the Republicans have voted to give Joe Biden power to give away our U.S. weapons stockpiles to Ukraine in the Ukraine Lend-Lease Act. I've noticed a decrease in politicians attacking Joe Biden. Um, so that's that's very concerning. I think it's because they're afraid to Republicans even are afraid to attack Joe Biden's mental competency because then it would call into question why they gave President Biden the authority to give away U.S. weapons stockpiles. Well, I know, you, I know uh, Representative Kat Kamek did vote to did. send uh, funding and, and weapons to Ukraine. Yes. On, in, your, in your stated platform, you stated that you are a non-interventionist and you are strictly America first. Can you kind of expound right. on that a little bit? Yeah, and I will say Kat Kamek did vote against giving them the $40 billion. That's something she likes to emphasize through her staffers. Um, however, she did vote to um, to put a lot of sanctions on Russia, which increased the price of our fuel. And she did vote to give away our U.S. weapons stockpiles. So I do not support this involvement, not only in Ukraine, not only is it geopolitically a, a poor strategy because we saw how well the U.S. helped Syria. Um, supporting the Free Syrian Army might have sounded like a, a great patriotic idea because they believed in democracy, supposedly. But then look how much we just accelerated the destruction of Syria. Um, so we either need to give them full support, which in the case with Russia would lead to World War III, so we shouldn't do it, or we just need to find a more neutral balance between Ukraine and Russia. Now, and you, they, you... Yeah, they shouldn't be enemies. We should be able to work this out. <clears throat> Yeah, you said you said uh, Republicans are afraid to uh, to attack Biden for his mental incompetency. I find it funny because literally everyone at this point knows that Biden is mentally mm -hmm. incompetent. I mean, it was just what last week that Biden said he had cancer, and the response from the White House was he doesn't have cancer; he has dementia. He doesn't know what he's saying. So, like, even the White House is out here yeah. essentially telling us this guy literally doesn't know what he's saying. Yeah, uh, they're hiding him away from the rest of the world. But what bothers me is that. When Trump was in office, this was a constant uh, talking point from the left. It was yeah. on MSNBC. It was on CNN all the time. Trump is mentally unfit to hold office, and it was it was a it was a load of crock coming from them. But I find this funny that the right is so afraid to uh, come against the left in the yeah. exact same ways. So one of the questions that we've asked uh, other people that we've had on, I wanted to ask you is, uh, if you get elected, are are you going to be one of these uh, defensive style uh, Republicans, or are we going to do like some proactive uh, um, offense? Yes. So I would speak the truth to the situation, which is something that politicians need to start with. And that's also why I thought I would never be a politician is because I, I'm honest. I, I'm not going to um, change my perspective just to get that endorsement from the pack. So that's where it needs to start. And then we need to really, we need to call out the left. And, you know, I don't believe in attacking my own party if it creates too many divisions, but at the same time, we still need to address issues when they come up. So it is a tough it's, it's a tough thing because I know people don't want to attack their own party, but when their own party is looking more like the Democrats than the party you thought you were voting for, then it's then what, what are you supposed to do? So yeah, I think you have to be on the offensive. I wanted to ask you a little bit about your Second Amendment 
uh, views because I know mm -hmm. that is something that recently was just passed in the House of Representatives where they yeah. have uh, moved to ban assault weapons, whatever, you know, weapons of war, as they like to say, and they can't even define what a woman is, but yet they're going to try to define what a gun is, is quite humorous. Uh, yeah. Would you would you uh, explain to the audience and and the voters out there what your what your um, view of the Second yeah. Amendment is? Well, well, the federal government um, needs to be careful. So we, our, our elected members of Congress need to be careful that just because they pass a law banning this, if somehow they did pass it in the Senate, doesn't mean that they'll be able to implement it. And I've already talked to constituents in Florida who believe that the war with the federal government started two years ago. Now that's concerning. I don't believe that. I have family who works for the federal government. I don't like that kind of talk. But just imagine how people will feel if we did somehow pass this assault weapons ban. They will literally feel that this was the, uh, the, the call for the next revolution. So, so, so no matter what their arguments are on um, reducing massacres and what their stats may show, th this would potentially um, instigate terrorist actions against the federal government. Like, I'm just going to be frank. Like I said before, I'm honest. And that's that's the reality that it it would it would it would be very problematic. Yeah. Um, did you have another question for him, Frank? I'm sorry. Yeah, I was, I was going, I was going to follow up with that one yeah, there with the uh, Second Amendment. So the, a lot of times Republicans fall into the trap yeah. of talking about the Second Amendment for just hunting and sports. Uh, sport shooting. Obviously, the Second Amendment wasn't written for that. Second Amendment in the uh, Constitution was written to help prevent tyranny, to help prevent governments uh, becoming tyrannical, giving the uh, exactly. citizens an, yeah. a, a way to be able to be the safeguard against yeah. that. And, and that's right. And that's why if people see that the federal government has taken away their right to own firearms, such as the assault weapons ban, then that's why they would feel that the uh, the federal government is now um, has turned in a way that makes them their enemy. And so so I believe we should allow people to own assault weapons. Yeah, perhaps not automatic weapons. I get that. But semi-automatic weapons, that's it should be allowed. And the reality is, is that we have a huge number of auto accidents from people that are, are um, completely negligent, drinking and driving. Yet we don't outlaw alcohol and we don't outlaw cars. Uh, we consider that a cost of freedom. And if in the individual that caused the injury will be held accountable if they were drinking and driving, it's the same way with firearm accidents. And we can protect our schools. We just need to ensure that schools have one way of getting in and one way of getting out and make sure you put an armed guard in, in the school. You know, we should protect our children just as much as we protect judges. Uh, I, I work in a courthouse. Um, I have to go through a metal detector every time I get in there. And make sure that we're not bringing anything we shouldn't. Um, it's very possible to do that with schools. So we can protect our schools. We can also have public e events that are very conscious to to shooters. And we could also have protection that is uh, appropriate for that. So all of these issues can be dealt with without leading to uh, the gun grab. This gun grab, it's, it's nothing but to appease some of the leftists who just want easy solutions to complex problems. No, that's absolutely true. I did have a, another question in here. They wanted to kind of uh, understand what your view, your stance on Roe v. Wade, what's your stance on 
when yeah. life is uh, when life is uh, considered life. Well, Roe v. Wade was a terrible decision. Uh, nowhere in the Constitution is there a right to an abortion. Uh, the idea that we could expand the Fourteenth Amendment to an abortion doesn't make sense. Um, I understand somewhat the right to an elective surgery. We should be able to have medical freedom over our bodies. However, when we're talking about neonatal life, you're talking about a separate life, and and nowhere in the history of the country have we been have we said that there's a right to terminate your pregnancy. So it it's definitely a state's issue. Um, the Supreme Court's recent decision to send it back to the states was appropriate. And I will say that the Supreme Court decision that overturned it also said that um, that the legality of any abortion law should still be determined by the rational basis standard. So, um, so any prohibition on abortion still needs to serve a rational state policy. Right, I just want to protect oh, life. Um, I just wanted to answer this uh, question I saw in chat really quick. Uh, someone's asked about the uh, Ryan Kelly interview. We are, uh, you know, talking to Justin Waters right now. We have Ryan Kelly coming up. We also have Tom Norton coming up. And I would just like to take this opportunity to tell people, uh, if you're watching this, please share it. Let people know uh, what you guys are watching tonight. And uh, one of the biggest things you could do to help this show out is um, to actually go follow us on Twitter. So look for Last American Pubcast on Twitter. Uh, that is where we reach out to a lot of people and to be able to show people um, – Get those retweets and those likes and stuff like that uh, as we reach out to people would be super helpful if you guys want to see uh, more guests. We've got a lot of great guests coming up as well. Um, but uh, yeah, really enjoying talking to Justin Waters. Just want to uh, answer that question really quick. So uh, thank you. Uh, thank you, PJ. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> with the uh, yeah, with the uh, obviously the Second Amendment's been a very hot topic recently uh, in the news, especially with the recent shootings and, and Democrats yeah. push to capitalize on those uh tragedies and that's what they tend to do because they like to use the emotions of the public in order to advance policy which it should be much more uh nuanced and much more uh logical and debated than a simple push of that i wanted to ask you uh justin uh if you were to be elected the representative for district three of florida would you be willing to support uh uh, for the Speaker of the House, uh, Mr. Uh, Kevin McCarthy, or would you look to maybe support somebody else that was running? Is that somebody that you feel that is strong enough to lead the Republican Party? I don't think that he inspires people in our district. He, yeah, no, no. Um, he might be appropriate for his district, but he's not appropriate for ours. I, I think someone who's more libertarian leaning, um, perhaps someone from the House Freedom Caucus, that would be more appropriate. Um, so no. Okay, great. Kevin, not Kevin McCarthy. PJ. Um, yeah, sorry, I was just reading the chat again. Uh, no, one, good. one more uh, caveat to what I had said a minute ago, and then I'll, and then I'll get back to Justin Waters and have some questions for you. Uh, someone says, "What about Truth Social?" So, if you guys do want to support the show, and you guys are banned on Twitter and things like that, I get it. Uh, me and Frank have been kicked off of Twitter before too. So, uh, you guys can actually go to solo.to/slash/lastamericanpubcast, and all of our links there. We're streaming this on Odyssey as well as YouTube. Uh, we are on Truth Social. Uh, we're all on Gab um a couple other ones so yeah definitely if you guys are looking for some alternatives go out there the reason i want to shout out the twitter and why i would uh, highly recommend you guys go to our twitter is that's just where uh a lot of the, the guests are that's where a lot of politicians are that's the easiest way for us to reach out to people so if you're not completely banned on twitter um please go up there and follow and uh share and like ourselves. um so 
earlier, Justin, you had said uh, something about weapons of war. And I th this is one argument that I found uh, a little bit infuriating, I think, coming from the right. And I kind of want to get your opinion on this. So one of the things that we constantly hear, uh, and I think this is just a weak need response from a lot of politicians as a, as a Second Amendment enthusiast myself. And I saw some people in the chat saying this. Um, when we, I, I saw a tweet earlier from, I don't remember who it was, another politician today saying, we have to stop calling AR-15s a weapon of war. It's not the same as an M4. And my thought on this is my AR-15 is so much nicer than the M4 I carried in the military. And I'm sick of pretending that it's not. Um, calling it government or calling it a military grade is an insult to the weapons that I own. So my thought on this is the Second Amendment is uh, literally not just for hunting, as Frank said. It's not uh, just for home defense even. It's literally for... Uh, defense against tyrannical government. So I'm not really on the same page as a lot of people that, uh, you know, we have to pretend to distinguish my AR-15 from a weapon of war. The M4 is so different. It's really not if we're going to be completely honest with people. Um, so I was just kind of curious if you wanted to, what your thoughts were on that. Yeah, I think it's fine to admit that some of these weapons are weapons of war, but, um, but we do have background checks already. So it's not like right. these these firearms are just going to anybody. And if they are um, illegally transferring the firearms to someone who shouldn't own them, then, then that's already illegal. So if we ban these weapons, the people that want to acquire them are possibly going to make them. You probably saw in Japan the homemade firearm yes. that, that, that killed their former president, their prime minister. And it with 3D printers, anybody can print a firearm now. And... Um, you know, weapons. Well, yep. Well, yep. also, you, you said Japan, and it's funny because Japan's the one that the left is always pointing to. Look at Japan. They don't have all these gun violence deaths. Japan's an island. Yeah. America's got an open border with Mexico. So yeah. this idea that we're going to ban, uh, you know, citizens who can pass a background check from buying a quote-unquote weapon of war while we have a literal open border with trafficking of weapons and people and fentanyl coming across our southern border is ridiculous. Uh, what are your thoughts what, uh, on uh, the border crisis right now? It, like you said, it's a, it's a huge problem. We just don't know what's coming over it. And uh, we do know that a large amount of fentanyl is coming over. We have a lot of methamphetamine coming over. Uh, I used to work in child welfare. And the, uh, the methamphetamine that we had in our county, they would say, is from Mexico. And, and we're all the way in Florida. I guess what they would do is they process it so it was easier to ship over the border. And then they would process it, in it once it's over the border. And um, so we definitely need to secure the border. Walls work. Um, if, if you, most countries around the world, when they have border problems, they build a wall because they work. It's, it's pretty simple. And I know there, there has been the push to just use electronic means of surveillancing the, the border. But when you have hundreds or thousands of people in these caravans, just surveillance technology isn't going to be enough. You have to actually physically block them from entering. I guess we could just watch them come over the border on camera and that makes it better somehow. Yeah, it doesn't make it better at all. <clears throat> Sorry, Frank, did you have something you want to ask? Uh, yeah, I did. Um, and, and moving through this, uh, a lot of, there was a lot of debate over <clears throat> um, early in 2021 about the U.S. Uh, federal government involving themselves into elections by making like ballot harvesting uh, legal in all 50 states. Um, is that something you would uh, uh, go to Congress to fight against to keep the federal government out of the election process of how states run them? Yes, it absolutely must be kept out. The federal government must not stay 
um, or interfere with state elections. And the reason why is because our state elections appear legitimate to us because we passed those election rules. If the federal government sets the the rules on how elections will be set, we want many people in the state will not believe that those elections were legitimate. So even if the federal government could possibly in some hypothetical come up with the best federal election law that could govern all 50 states, quite a bit of people would still think that the federal interference in their state elections makes the election illegitimate for whatever reason. And with the current Congress that we have led by Nancy Pelosi, I agree with them. It wouldn't be legitimate. We would have ballot harvesting. We would have vote by mail ballots sent to everybody, including people who don't live there anymore and probably people who are dead. So uh, the federal government does need to stay out of state elections. And I had a, another question for you. Um, I had somebody uh, send this to me uh, on my Facebook, my personal Facebook account. They saw that Kat Kamek was um, endorsed by President Trump. Yeah. Do you think that was maybe uh, maybe he was bad fed bad information? And why do you feel that you might be a better candidate that's America first or even make America great again candidate or make Florida great again candidate uh, than Kat Kamek? Yeah, some people connected very closely to the Trump team, personally connected, have told me that the people that fed him that information to endorse her don't know the things about Kat Kamek that we know about her. They don't they don't know. um well, I could get into all of that, but but I, I I agree. She's not as America first as she could be. She does look more America first than some of the people, some of the Republicans that are in Congress. So I will give that to her. But we can do better. Um, and so, so I believe his endorsement was, like the individual told me, uh, due to being fed incomplete information. Yeah, I feel like that's been a theme we've kind of been talking about is there's been some I don't know who's surrounding Trump that's giving him uh, some of these information, but in my state, we've got Tudor Dixon just, uh, what was it, today or yesterday, got an endorsement from Trump, uh, super establishment. She's backed by DeVos money, uh, DeVos, the never Trump family that's been controlling Michigan politics money. Uh, we have Dr. Oz, who was an early supporter of the transgender children movement. So it's it's disappointing to say the least, uh, some of the endorsements that have been happening. Yeah, it is. Um, and, and speaking of, uh, uh, you you touched on when you were talking about elections and, 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 and the state's ability to be able to run those elections, there was something else that was in that early speaking of the early Congress in 2021 of this, of this last term that we're currently in. It was talking about stationing Capitol Police in the state of Florida. Now, that, why would they have to station Capitol Police here in the state of Florida? Yeah, that's a good question. Why is the left tolerating it? The left that supposedly wanted to defund the police and was tolerant of it. Uh, I would say it's because Nancy Pelosi is currently in charge of Congress and because of all the January 6th propaganda, they would like to use the Capitol Police as some sort of personal wing to uh, to do Pelosi's bidding. And, um, you know, we, we have the Marshal, U.S. Marshal, and we have the FBI. So, if any federal laws are being broken, we have the appropriate government agencies to deal with it. We don't need Capitol Police. They're too politicized. They're too biased. Yeah, I feel like uh, one of the things I've been trying to tell people for a long time is it's a defund the police movement. Uh, it's being backed by the left, not because they don't like police, not because they don't like control and authority. It's it's uh, really, I mean, if you look back to what Obama started doing, this, is, uh, this goes way back to him. It has always, in my opinion, uh, been a push for federalizing the police. So 
defund the police locally, see the crime rates go up, bring in the jackbooted thugs from the federal government. Um, one of the other things I wanted to ask you uh, was about the economy. Um, we've seen just absolute rampant inflation. Uh, we've got ridiculous uh, Green New Deal policies being pushed through under the guise of uh, inflation reduction. What is your vision for cutting away at some of the the federal uh, uh, fat, I guess you would say, getting getting rid of some of these bloated bureaucracies and things like that? Yeah, we need to get the federal government out of states. So too often, uh, states become reliant on the federal government to run many of their programs, whether they're healthcare programs or social programs. And, you know, the, the state can run those programs through its own through its, through its own government. We don't need to rely on the federal government and we shouldn't. Um, the only reliance I would say that should come from the federal government is to adjust for population change. So if, if one state has an increase in population that grows faster than another state, then perhaps some federal funds could help to um, help, help to that state to adjust to the population growth and the new services that are necessary, sort of like a, a, not a, a federal insurance policy. But that's the only federal involvement in states' healthcare and states' um, social welfare agencies that that I believe the federal government should be involved in. Yeah, um, I just want to shout out uh, Sleeper real quick for the super yeah. sticker, the twenty dollars super sticker. Thank you guys so much. Uh, quick reminder reminder uh, to everybody: at the end of every show, we take the last five or ten minutes to answer any of the super sticker questions. So if you guys have anything that you really want to get through, we'll take that time to answer all the super chats. Uh, so thank you guys again for supporting the Last American Podcast. Um, I wanted to kind of dive in a little bit to currently what's going going on there in, in the U.S. House of Representatives with their January 6th committee. And I know mm -hmm. there's been a lot of talk about Republicans, you know, uh, tit for tat almost, and actually getting into the investigation and actually what truly took place on January 6th instead of what we're currently seeing, which is basically a witch hunt because – the goal of the January 6th commission, Liz Cheney spoke to this uh, recently in an interview over the uh, last weekend with Jake Tapper, is to ensure that they can keep Trump off the ballot for 2024. Mm -hmm. And that is their stated goal. Would you be willing to, uh, to, to push for an actual January 6th panel that uh, truly addresses those issues and maybe gets to the bottom of the, all the 14 hours of security footage that hasn't been yet uh, released uh, to the public or to uh, a lot of the uh, defendants right now who are sitting in these uh, jail cells and yeah. to find out uh, the, the, the chain of command of when the rejection of the national guard troops were sent by Nancy Pelosi, uh, Muriel Bowser there in DC, would you be willing to, to uh, advocate for a committee that would get to the actual truth of this and maybe hold uh, some of these other uh, individuals accountable for maybe misleading the nation and this uh, avid witch hunt to ensure that President Trump wouldn't be able to run again in 2024. Right. Yeah, so that's what some people are calling for, is a, a committee on the committee. So um, similar to how there, there was the Russian collusion hoax, and then later we needed to investigate that so-called Russian collusion hoax. And it turned out that there was absolutely no collusion and that it was just funded by the, the so-called collusion came from the Hillary Clinton campaign. Um, so, yeah, I do think that we need to look a little deeper into these committees and see and, and expose what 
the real motivation is. It's very problematic. I don't want to create another committee that's just going to eat up more tax revenue, but the current January 6th committee is just propaganda and based on lies, and people are serving time in prison because of this propaganda. So we, we really do need some clarity on it. Did you want to follow up on that, PJ, or did you have... Uh, sorry, I was just uh, looking through your website a little bit. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't have any follow-up. I think I think it's ridiculous with the with this January six stuff. I, I think that you know it's just another example. I think of people who are not going in on our side and fighting. It just seems like a, a one-sided kangaroo court, uh, total Russian-style show trials. Um, yeah, I don't I don't have anything else to say about it, Frank. Okay, yeah. I, if you, if you don't mind, I just wanted a, a, yeah. a quick follow up to to that uh, January sixth, uh, you know, show trial. If you as you stated, uh, would you be uh, would you be one of those individuals that uh, as as uh, as PJ mentioned, uh, willing to be a fighter on that side, a, a vocal opponent or a vocal supporter of wanting to actually uh, sort out the truth and being willing to you know put yourself out there and saying, hey, yeah, I want the truth and we need to get down to the truth. Yeah, we need to be able to have leadership that's willing to do yeah. that heavy lifting. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the individuals who's serving time in jail right now is running to running for to be a state representative in Florida. It's very interesting. He's in a Pinellas County jail. I grew up in Pinellas County, so I'm very familiar with the area. I, I used to work with a volunteer with the public defender's office down there. So I know exactly where he is in that jail cell. And he was part of the January 6th committee. And he's also running as a state rep um you might want to have his family on sometime they're very interesting i met them at rock the red in orlando okay and um so so we do need to bring more attention to these individuals and every one of their stories is different you have some people who are serving time who the only thing they've done is get into go into the capital and then you have some people who are serving time um like him because allegedly some weapons were found in his house that they that shouldn't have been there um so there are there's a range of um, culpability, um, and 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 we, we do need to bring more attention to this. Um, and that's I would, I would definitely be happy to bring attention to some of the defendants. Now and also recently there was a, a move by certain members of Congress led by Adam Schiff is to conceal. Uh, a lot of the the actions uh, of the military as far as their operations within the uh, borders of the United States. And this was something that was just uh, passed in the House uh, last week. And uh, would you be willing to hold military leaders accountable for for uh, any actions they used against civilians in the within the borders of the United States? Um, possibly. I, I would have to look more into each unique situation. So, so maybe. Okay. Um, <clears throat> sorry, go, go ahead, Frank. No, go I think ahead. You, uh, <laughs> no, never mind. I was going to say something stupid, but I'll just save it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, I want to give you a little bit of time here, uh, Justin, to go ahead and, and really lay out your platform for everybody out there and and uh make your make your pitch to everybody why they should uh look to you as the candidate to represent 
District 3 of Florida in the U.S. House of Representatives, and I'll give you that moment okay. uh, right now. So go right ahead, sir. Okay, well, I have been accused of mudslinging, so I'll just say that right there. But, you know, I think that if the criticism is based on policy or the individual's ability to communicate their their values or their ability to represent their constituents, then it's not mudslinging, it's within the normal range of politics. So let me start with that. Uh, Congresswoman Kat Kamek, she worked for Ted Yoho for eight years. She came to Florida be, to work on his campaign. Congressman Ted Yoho, great congressman, a true grassroots politician who worked as a veterinarian and worked his way into Congress by going door to door. My in-laws still remember when he came to their house and knocked on their door and asked for their vote. And that's how he got elected and through grassroots activism. Now we have Congressman Kat Kamek who ran in a very crowded primary two years ago. 10 people were in it. Her name was in the top of the list because her last name is Kamek, which starts with a C. So she, got, she had that advantage. She had the advantage of people knowing her by her affiliation with Ted Yoho. And there was the subtle hint of an endorsement. And um, she had some of Ted Yoho's staffers who were still employed in the congressional as congressional staffers working with her on her campaign, which gave the impression that she had the endorsement of Ted Yoho, which she never had. Um, so all of that kind of fortunately led to her getting elected, but she only got elected with 25% of the vote. Now, many states would have had a run runoff election. We should have had a runoff election between her and Judson Sapp. Judson Sapp, he's, a, he, he's more of a, a homegrown good old boy. He has a family. Uh, he would have made a great congressman. And, but we never had that runoff election. So when I saw that, I saw, you know, I don't know if she has the popular support. I don't know how she's gonna vote on issues. I don't know if she really has our back or if she's just a DC insider. So um, all of that motivated me to run for office. Um, since then, we've seen her go on what some have called her speaking tour around the country, what looks like she's campaigning in other states. Now, I don't know if she's using her campaign funds to go to other states, but in my opinion, campaign funds that are meant to represent District 3, North Florida, should be spent representing North Florida and flying to North Florida and interacting with uh, the uh, constituents here, not going to every other state and going on a speaking tour. So that's problematic. Um, it she, she was a cheerleader and she was a Miss Colorado contestant in her younger life. And I think that's what they, we elected. We elected a cheerleader, someone who is attracted to the pepper rallies, who loves the charisma and the excitement of politics, but really isn't interested in digging into the details of the laws, meeting with the individuals who are suffering in our community, um, whether it's suffering through poverty or bad policy, bad politics. Uh, we need somebody who's willing to do that. Um, in one of the earlier articles that was written about her when she was still a staffer, it said that she went to an individual's house and the, the the disdain that she had for that individual was completely offensive to me. It even said that she believed that individual might kill her because I guess if you go to some of the homes around here, some of the rednecks might look a little scary. Uh, and You, you do know, have I was, Florida man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been a child protective investigator in North Florida. I've been to a lot of homes that are scary, a lot of homes that aren't clean. But you know, I have respect for everyone in my district. Um, they could be my my distant cousin because I'm a sixth generation Floridian. The people of North Florida 
uh, have a personal connection to me. They matter to me. And that's why I would be a better representative. So if you look at my platform and her platform, they're very similar. I think I do what I promised a little bit better. And I'd be honest about the true definition of constitutional conservatism. But in general, our platform is very similar. But what I would do different is I would be in our district. If I'm not in DC, I would be here meeting my constituents or with my family. And uh, that's a big difference. People need to pay attention to that. Yeah. So Life to the Max wants to know, uh, what offices have you held before? I haven't held any public offices. And I actually consider that a good thing. So I used to think before I ran for public office that having some DC experience could help a person. Now I realize that having DC experience means that you have personal and financial connections to the swamp. And the swamp is real. It's not just a talking point that DC that Trump came up with. Uh, once the swamp gets into your pocket or gets into your personal life, they're going to influence you on every policy agenda they want to buy you on. And before you know it, you may not even have an idea on what the conservative movement in your district looks like. So I'm very proud to say I don't have DC connections. Okay. And we have one other question here um, as we wrap up. This was from a gentleman called Redacted on here. He said, question for Justin, what about homelessness? I think we ought to have a free cap, uh, campgrounds or cap camp, excuse me, campgrounds uh, coast to coast for the homeless in appropriate zones. What do you think? Yeah, we basically have that in Gainesville, Florida. <laughs> um, they're very slow at evicting the homeless. So we sometimes will have little tent villages and I know other cities sometimes have that too. It can become a public safety hazard um, at times. So we had the little tent village uh, between the Cade Museum and downtown. And because of that, people are very afraid to go back and forth. So it, it can be a, a public safety concern. Um, it can also discourage development in that area. So instead of having sort of like a, a squatting zone, um, I, I think I think that what we a simple fix would be for us to have a federal database to, um, th this sounds kind of Orwellian, but it's a good idea to track the homeless. So when I when I worked as a child protective investigator, we had a, a federal database to track every child um, child and welfare investigation. We don't have something like that statewide for tracking homelessness. And we know that homeless people are transients. So they're, they're always traveling and we don't know all of their medical needs, their family connections, um, their mental health concerns. So um, ideally we should have a federal database that social welfare workers can log into and know immediately who their family is that they can talk to to help them get help, what medical or mental health issues they have. And a federal database would not cost a lot. So some people talk about actually ending homelessness. Uh, that That's a huge problem and I'm not willing to take that federal expense on, but I think the a federal database would be an easy fix um, so, so that's that was been my solution for homelessness. All right. Oh. All right. Um, and one last question for me. And uh, do you have anybody working on memes for your campaign? Because I think this could be super effective on social media if you have not. Memes? Had yes. Yeah. So, no, I, I don't. But <laughs> memes are a good idea. Yeah, this is something me and Frank have talked about before. I think that every politician needs to have a meme guy. Like, this yeah. is the number one thing that people are missing out on. I think Trump was great. I don't know if he's just yeah. like retweeting other people's memes, but that one with the, it, it threw CNN for a loop, but the one with the WWE was attacking Hillary Clinton or whatever. 
or, or CNN is attacking the news media or whatever. That's that kind of stuff. I don't know. It's so uh, guys, something to look into. There you guys go. Uh, meme makers out there. If you guys are listening to this, mm-hmm. Justin doesn't have a meme maker. So if you want to yeah. reach out to him, reach out to him. Maybe he'll, uh, uh, you can uh, volunteer and send out some memes for, uh, for his side there. Yeah. What's yeah, your, what's great. your Twitter's uh, handle or where people can find you. So uh, we can get a meme maker in touch with you. So Justin, Waters Law is one of them, but also Waters Number Four Congress. Or if okay. you just Google Justin Waters Congress, you'll find a lot of my social media accounts and very responsive there. All right. Well, hey, Justin Waters, thank you so much for coming on. I uh, yeah, wish you good you. luck in the primaries. Meme makers, you know, you you heard him, Justin. Uh, wait, say it again. Waters for Congress. Correct. Oh, okay. on Twitter, it's just Waters for Congress. Waters for Congress on Twitter. Uh, send them your best memes. Yeah, fire off those meme cannons. Get this guy <laughs> yeah. elected. All Thank right. You. Well, we appreciate you uh, giving us an hour of your uh, evening this uh, uh, tonight. Uh, thank you so much. We look forward to hearing back from you. Uh, maybe as we get closer to the uh, election in the primary section there. Uh, we wish you all the luck there, Justin. If you Thank ever you. need anything else, feel free to reach out to the Last American Pubcast. Okay. Appreciate both of you. All, all right. right. Have a great night, Justin. You too. All right. Well, that was Justin Waters for Congress. We've got more uh, interviews coming up. Uh, we got a little bit. Do you want to? Do you want to go over a few of those stories we were talking about before we uh, jump right into our next interview? Or yeah, sure. Yeah, we got a uh, we got a good 10, 15 minutes. We can interact yeah, a little yeah. bit with the chat here. Since uh, thank you all, you guys that have been uh, tuned in. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I tried to grab all your guys' questions uh, with that. You guys had some great questions out there, so thank you for that. Yeah, for sure. So, um, just to just to throw a little humor into the show for a minute, I saw this from the Not the Bee today. Since we were talking about Florida, and we can get into some Michigan stuff in a minute. Uh, hear him out. The, the The title of the article is "Hear Him Out." A Florida man tried to break into Space Force base in a stolen truck to warn the government about a war between aliens and Chinese dragons. <laughs> so, uh, this has to be the greatest Florida man headline I've ever read. Uh, <laughs> Florida is an interesting place, Frank. It is. It is the most interesting place in the U.S. <laughs> yeah, it says a Florida man was ar- uh, arrested attempting to break into Patrick Space Force Base uh, using a stolen truck to warn the U.S. government of war between aliens and Chinese dragons. Corey Johnson, 29, of Ocala, Florida, was arrested on Friday. Uh, his arrest affidavit noted that he stole a 2013 Ford F-150 three days before driving to the Patrick Space Force Base located in uh, Brevard County. I wonder so. if we could get that guy on. I I, I live near Ocala. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We need to get, uh, what's his name? Patrick. Uh, RB has any social it. media handles. Maybe we can reach out to him. <laughs> Corey yeah, Johnson. That's what it is. Corey, yeah. jo- Corey Johnson, the uh, what, the singer of uh, Slipknot. <laughs> <laughs> so Slipknot is here to warn us about the uh, ancient war between aliens and the Chinese space dragons. <laughs> that would be a definite, that would be like almost an Alex Jones level type of show. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> um, one other thing that I saw literally just a few hours ago was, uh, well, we all, we all heard that Joe Brandon had cancer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. and luckily he was, he yeah, was from, from, from cleaning windshields with oil on them. Yeah. Yeah. So, but luckily he survived the cancer. He was completely healed by the next day though. He had COVID. And just when you thought that was over, uh, President Biden just tested positive for COVID again, four days after negative tests. Uh, My wife said this to me. I told her that she's like, wait, he just said he had COVID last week. Doesn't stick in your system for like two weeks. That's what throws me off about this story. Yeah, well, they said that they he had tested negative for like the last couple tests, and he tested negative the last few days or whatever. 
and then all of a sudden, you know, this afternoon it was breaking that he tested positive again. And I, I believe it was Tom. And and by the way, Tom isn't here tonight with us. He's at a wedding, so I'm sure he's having a whole lot more fun than we are. Uh, yeah, we didn't tonight. just we didn't just kick him off. Yeah, yeah. he's just not. He's, Tom, he's busy. Tom will be joining us on next Saturday. Uh, yes. But yeah, he he couldn't make it tonight because he had prior engagements as going to a wedding. <laughs> I don't think that was a valid excuse to give to his wife. I'm sorry, honey, I can't make it. I got I got the Last American podcast. <laughs> <laughs> But he did he did post something pretty funny over on Twitter. Let me go ahead and pull it up real quick because I thought it was hilarious what he said over here about uh, Joe Biden getting uh, COVID again. Let's see here. Yeah, I had said while you're pulling that up. Yeah, I had said I think the deep state's just not ready to tell people that he died from cancer. Oh, that was you. Was that you that said that? It was me. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that was a Tom. I put deep state still not ready to tell people he died from cancer slash COVID slash a pillow over his face, huh? I mean, we did see what was it two now one for sure. I'm sorry, I just it's not even conspiratorial at this point. If you've seen that one video of of Joe Brandon and don't believe that it's a deep fake, like it just is. It just is. <laughs> like, yeah. Let me. I wonder if I can pull it up. Let, let um, me grab. Well, let me grab this one. This is the one he just yeah. put out a couple hours ago. Here, he says a quick update. So let's take a look because this one looks like it's on a green screen. By the way, um, <laughs> I'm just. I'm just gonna put that. That does not look real behind him. Just no. Just that. <laughs> so let's take a listen. Hey folks, Joe Biden here. Tested positive this morning. Well, why does he have to say he's Joe Biden? Does he not who know who everybody knows who he is? <laughs> Hi, this is Joe Biden here. Comma. Well, well, he didn't. He didn't go as far as Kamala Harris. I'm Kamala Harris. She slash her. I'm wearing a <laughs> blue suit. Blue suit and table. sitting at a table. <laughs> so okay, let's take a listen. That poor dog. <laughs> poor dog. Working from home for the next couple of days, uh, and feeling fine. Everything's good. Is Commander one that uh, Commander? Is that the one that he pulled a tail and he like slipped in the shower with? Well, that's what I was about to say. You said poor dog. I'm like, at least the dog's not in the shower with him this time. Look, look at the dog's face though. He's like, oh my gosh, get me out of this place. <laughs> <laughs> if I have to take another sh- shower of Brandon, <laughs> it'll be the yeah. end of me. <laughs> yeah. So poor dog, but at least at least he's not in the shower with uh, with Brandon. I have that video though, really quick, because I'm not joking. Like I cannot understand how this is. Like this has to be the most. Worst deep fake I've ever seen. Um, let me see if I got it right here. This guy, he doesn't blink, first of all. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the top half of his face doesn't move. Not at all. Not at all. And look at his earlobes. His earlobes aren't connecting to his face. There's uh, Joe Biden's out there that their earlobes don't connect. This yeah. one connects. If you watch enough of those deep fake videos, you can see the little like giveaways like around the eyes and the way like if you watch it closely, I swear his face like moves like as it's digitizing. It's so bad. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Poor dog. It wasn't it wasn't the dog. Yeah, (laughs) the dog had this look on his face just like this when uh, the Secret Service tried to blame him. He's like, really? 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 It wasn't me, guys. I didn't drop the deuce. <laughs> <laughs> somebody somebody forgot to put uh, Joe Biden's pampers on that week. At least we know that they are actually taking care of him like a child because we've got, uh, I don't even know the guy's name. He's out there. Joe Biden finished his dinner. I checked his plate and it was all gone. We gave him a gold star. And uh, we even let him have a fruit cup afterwards because he did so good on eating was all it a fruit of his cup food. Or, or was it a pudding cup? Yeah, pudding cup. Yeah. Well, I thought from, I thought the pudding cup was a uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, I need Cosby's my snack jail, pack. Right? Do we do we have a tabs on Cosby? Do we know if he's in the White House or not? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Put what are those pudding pops? Mm-hmm. Get your pudding pop. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so one of the things we are, uh, people were asking us earlier, we do have an interview with Ryan Keller. We're going to play it here in a minute. Um, one of the things that I wanted to point out was this other article, um, just because I think I don't think people realize just how important it is uh, that we get uh, the female Cuomo out of Michigan, uh, which is what I call her. She killed, I think she killed more nursing home uh, patients than then, Cuomo. Then the Pennsylvania guy, Ted, uh, Tom Wolf, and... Uh, yeah, nobody Cole, talks Cole. about him either. No, and, and his uh, his secretary to health was the dude, uh, whatever, uh, Levine or whatever. Yeah, Richard Levine or... Yeah. Yeah, yeah he... She, he <laughs> well, well, he, which... He, well, he, he got his mom out of the uh, nursing homes before they shoved in all the COVID patients that killed off all right. the seniors. Yeah, because he knew it was coming. But yeah, well, like with Whitmer, it's even worse than that because I think a lot of people don't realize she put... um. COVID positive 20 year olds into nursing homes. We didn't ever have uh, the hospitals overrun, but she's still putting, uh, <laughs> sorry, I just saw that comment. What was that? Putting, putting in a kid sniff. Kid yeah. That's what they gave him as a treat. Uh, so Whitmer's <laughs> out here now um, saying abortion is still legal in Michigan and I'll never stop fighting to keep it that way for my kids, for your kids and for the future of our great state. And I don't know if these, these leftists don't realize just how stupid they sound when they say, you know what? Killing kids for your kids, uh, for the future. <laughs> there is like, no future if you're killing yeah. off the future. <laughs> your kids and their future literally don't exist. That's the point of what you're trying to do. So, actually, if you pay attention to what's going to be going on to the uh, Michigan ballot for the for, or the Michigan vote for uh, changing the constitution here, it's actually going to make our state worse than California for uh, abortion laws. It's going to allow people up to the point of birth, 12-year-olds uh, even, up to the point of birth to get an abortion without their parents knowing uh, just because a healthcare worker, it's, it doesn't even say doctor or nurse or, or actually certified healthcare worker, just some healthcare professional, which could literally mean Planned Parenthood professional, can say, you're depressed, so now you can kill your kid and we don't have to tell your parents. So Michigan... Almost, uh, almost, worked, in, uh, almost worked in California. California passed the bill, and this is actually had Tom on when we were doing a live stream together yeah. a, couple, a few months back, all the way up to at least a week after you get birth. That's you right. So, that yeah, not, as, not quite <laughs> as bad. They just literally uh, legalize infanticide in California, so I guess it doesn't get much worse than that. Yeah, hello, Sharon. Um, hello, uh, uh, <clears throat> as uh, Burton. Glad to see you guys coming in tonight. Yeah. Yeah, so quick reminder, guys, th uh, thank you guys for being here again. Please uh, shout this show out. Give it a like. Uh, share it because um, we've got, uh, like I said, if you guys uh, like these interviews that we got, because um, we got three of them tonight, if that's the kind of stuff you want, we got Bryson Gray coming on next week. So big guests coming up. If you guys want to see more of that, share the show. Go on Twitter. Like and retweet stuff. That really helps us out. If and if you have a candidate that's running for any type of office and you want them to come on the show to talk about some stuff, tweet at us over on uh, the last American podcast uh, Twitter. And that's located at the top of all the chats. You can go over there if you're on Twitter and, and send it out to us. Uh, you can send us the DMS are open. You can slide into those and slide and, into those DMS. Yeah, guys. Slide into those DMS. If you want to uh, recommend a candidate, maybe we can get a hold of them <laughs> uh, to bring them on to talk about issues or whatever, please do so. We would be excited. You know, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of primaries taking place between now and the next few weeks. So if we're able to get somebody on, we've even discussed actually having a special 
live or live uh, last American podcast if we need to before primaries to help those candidates get last minute messages out to voters. Uh, so again, if you have somebody or even it doesn't even have to be a politician or a candidate, if you have somebody interesting you want us to talk to. Yeah, I would just like us. to put this out there. Yeah. If you guys can uh, start tweeting at someone like Alex Stein, primetime 99, we'd love to have him on. Um, Cheryl says, so I came in late. Who should I vote for here in Michigan? You actually didn't come in too late, Cheryl. We are about to play the interview with Ryan Kelly. And then we've got an interview with Tom Norton afterwards. Um, so I'm actually not going to spoil it by telling you right now who I think you should vote for in Michigan. Um, but I will tell you after the interview, I've done a lot of research and I, uh, am endorsing one candidate for governor here. Um, so we will, uh, tell you guys that. And one last thing before we move to these two interviews that we have scheduled right now. If, uh, if you like making memes and you want to help out the Last American Pubcast with memes, I am looking for a meme maker to help us put out memes for this channel. Uh, so if you're somebody that's talented or maybe you're not making memes for anybody, but you like making them and you want your name attached to this, uh, to this platform, reach out to us again via the Twitter. I would love to talk to you guys about making memes for the channel. That would be fantastic. Memes are a great way of communication. It's the... It's the uh, 21st century of political mm -hmm. cartoons. And again, Justin Waters was just on. He doesn't have a meme maker. Fire those meme cannons. We need to make sure we're dominant in the meme game. And the first person we have, or the second person we have up now, is going to be Ryan Kelly, correct? Yes, Ryan Kelly. We'll do that yeah. interview first. And these uh, are pre-taped. These are pre-taped, so we won't uh, we won't have we won't be able to ask any questions uh, from the questions that we had already had at that point. Yeah. Uh, so the first one is me and and PJ, and then the second interview is with PJ and Tom and Tom. <laughs> yeah, yep, that's true. <laughs> also, I just want to say, uh, since we won't be able to answer questions during these interviews, make sure to get in the Super Chats, and we will take time at the end of the show to answer all of those as well. Yep. Uh, so, uh, with well, I, will, I was going to say without further ado, I will actually give one caveat, because I have to. Um, <laughs> There, you know, as a as a as a content creator, sometimes you're having a busy day and something crazy happens, you don't catch it. When we did this first interview, my microphone was actually not picking up my voice at all, and all of my audio came from my webcam. And if anybody's familiar with webcams, they sound like hot garbage. They basically sound like uh, <laughs> like you're in a cement mixer underwater. <laughs> so um, just ignore the fact that my voice sounds really awful. It was just a, a simple little mistake, but it, it won't be that way for the rest of the show, just for the Ryan Kelly interview. So uh, please enjoy this. And afterwards, uh, we can talk to you guys about uh, who to vote for on Tuesday's uh, primaries in Michigan. For you guys today on the Last American Pubcast. With us today, we have Ryan D. Kelly, who's running for governor in Michigan. Ryan, welcome onto the podcast. How are you doing today? Doing great. Beautiful day here in Michigan. Thanks for allowing me the opportunity to join you and join the audience here that's watching. Thank you guys so much. Appreciate it. And we're getting real close to the primary here. Hope everybody's ready to go vote Ryan Kelly on August 2nd. Yeah, August 2nd is uh, the primary here in Michigan. Very close, like you said. I've been following you pretty early on, I think, uh, right from your first announcement. I actually think I found you on TikTok, of all places. Um, yeah. But I've been very excited uh, to get the chance to talk to you. I think we met briefly last year at, uh, was it the May 5th thing? Was that when it was uh, the Capitol, like the anti-vax uh, mandate stuff? I don't remember which event yeah, was on been to which a lot day. of events. L lots of events, but yeah, yeah. that was I heard you about speak right. then and yeah. So, I just wanted to ask you I, I kind of want to get some of the tough questions out of the way and then get into some of your policies really quick. Um cuz one of the things that uh you know, a lot of people have noticed is that on January 27th, 
you were arrested on misdemeanor charges related to January 6th. And what I would say is one of the most well-timed political hit jobs I've ever seen. Uh, this was 18 months after the Jan after January 6th and uh, the morning that the show trials were set to begin. So the first thing I just want to ask you is how are you and your family doing after all that? So just to clarify that real quick, June 9th. Um, June 9th. I'm sorry. I got no, it's the, all good. I just wanted to make wrong. sure we had the right information there on yep. that one. That's all good. But yeah, you, you got the first, the second part, right? Yeah. It was related I think to I just January typed it wrong 6th. in my notes. Yeah. It's all good. Yeah, it's all good. Uh, to answer your question in a nutshell, we're, we're doing well. Uh, we've learned a lot from that scenario. It's really uh, empowered our souls more with, with stronger fight because we realize the lengths that they're going to, to weaponize these agencies, to criminalize anybody that stands up against their leftist agenda. And, you know, my wife has become stronger from this. My microphone's got a lot louder from this across the nation. The support has been overwhelming, tremendous, and we've got name ID through the roof. And I think that might have been enough to have me win the primary and then go on to defeat Gretchen Whitmer. So in a nutshell, we're doing well. It's not easy, uh, but fighting for freedom isn't free. Right. Absolutely. And uh, I think you're right. I think it did help with the name recognition and uh, hopefully that'll help you out in the primary. So I was at a, a family reunion last weekend and I was asking all, you know, I've got a pretty politically involved family uh, or a politically interested family at least. And uh, I was asking each one of them, you know, what they would ask you if they had the chance. And I, I got a lot of different responses. But one of the uh, one of the questions that kind of stood out above the rest, and I thought I want to give you a chance to speak on it, um, was that uh, because of that, um, what uh, what would happen if you won the primary? I guess I guess the question people were asking is, if you won the primary, would they try to weaponize the uh, the FBI, the system to come against you to stop you from stepping into the governor's office uh, come November? They've already tried it, and that's what the arrest was all about. And it's a, that's a common question. And I think part of the the you know you me you mentioned like a well timed political hit job. Uh, there Absolutely. was definitely no coincidence in the timing there. I started doing really really well in the polls. All of a sudden, they realized that wow, Ryan Kelly has a ton of support. Okay, we have to go after this guy. What they're aiming to do is create. This is a term that I just learned the other day when I was over in Wayne County meeting with a lady. She said her husband said, Ryan Kelly's my guy because they're trying to create FUD around that guy. Fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And that's what that was all about there to try to intimidate me, uh, create fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Dana Nessel, our radical extremist attorney general in the state of Michigan, she's, and I have the video on my phone here. Maybe we can uh, find the clip at some point and share with your audience that she even said that, you know, we can't keep Ryan off the ballot. And if he were to get elected, even if he's incarcerated, we would have a hard time getting him out of office. That's Dana Nessel that said that, you know, they're going to try to weaponize whatever they can to keep somebody like Whitmer in power. They're going to try to do everything that they can to discredit anybody that, you know, uh, pushes back against their agenda. Uh, but in the long run, here's the thing is that, you know, th it's a bunch of nonsense and uh, we're going to fight this 100% because we know it's a bunch of nonsense. It's a bunch of BS. Uh, and, and they know that nominee Kelly equals one term Whitmer. Yeah, absolutely. So I like that term FUD. I don't think I've heard that one before. But uh, yeah, it, it really, to me, it was a signal that of all the candidates, they're afraid of you the most is what I took away from it. And uh, to me, that is a, a ringing endorsement in a lot of ways. So one of, one of the questions, so we have another um a panelist, he's not able to be here today, he's working right now. Uh, and he asked, he wanted me to ask you that if you win, uh, 
will you govern as a reactionary defender or go on a proactive offense for the people of Michigan? Uh, I think that question could be could be wrapped up by the actions that I have been taking uh, from the very start of this. Well, not from the very start of government overreach has been going on for you know since before I was born. But this whole COVID thing that's happened over these last couple of years, from the very beginning of that, uh, I was very publicly being proactive, pushing back against all of the government overreach and making sure our voices were heard, that we're going to fight for freedom. And I've continued to do that all throughout You know, the, the election of 2020, it was in Washington, D.C. on January 6th, through my, my gubernatorial run. You know, you mentioned in the beginning there, the April or uh, the May 5th event that we were at, uh, if it was a vaccine or whatever it was, whenever that happened, you know, I'm, I'm there standing with the people fighting, being proactive to, um, you know, make sure that, uh, you know, we're, we're not going to allow our state to, to go in this downward spiral. Um, you know, the Mackinac Policy Conference is another example. I turned down being in front of the TV cameras and in front of big donors because they were requiring vaccine identification cards, requiring COVID tests to be proven negative. Uh, but they segregated all the governor candidates and treated them like second class citizens. I said, no, we're not gonna treat a, you know, we're not gonna get treated like second class citizens. We're not showing our vaccine ID cards. We're not gonna even have those in the state of Michigan. Um, so long answer there, but just talking about a couple of actions, uh, that's the important part. Is somebody fighting by their actions or are they fighting by their words? I have been fighting by my actions. It's time that Republicans go on offense. It's time that us that love this country, love our republic, go on offense. Somebody walked up to me the other day. They said, Ryan, I like you because you fight like a Democrat. <laughs> you're unapologetic. You're, you know, you're not afraid to say what you what you think and and put it out there. And you're not afraid to be um, you know, vocal about all of your beliefs and fight for what you believe in. Uh, and Democrats are really good at that. Uh, and their ideas are, are ridiculous and there's no common sense in most of them, but they fight for them with everything they got. It's time for us America first conservatives to step up and do the same thing unapologetically. Uh, Mr. Yeah. Kelly, uh, one of the things you said is protecting Americans and fighting for Americans. One of the biggest issues that have arise for governors across the country uh, and one what one uh, one race in particular happened in Virginia back in 2021 with uh, with Glenn Youngkin running to protect uh, parents' rights with uh, students in schools. And we saw that type of legislation also kind of take place here in the state of Florida, where the Democrats went on the attack against the uh, parental right bill here in the state of Florida, dubbing it don't say gay bill, where it simply just uh, added that teachers shouldn't have the ability to sit there and talk to any type of sexuality with small children, third grade and below, I think it should actually be a little bit uh, more, maybe all of elementary school, but I digress. Is there something that you're, you have in plan or in mind that you would help urge the state houses there in Michigan to adopt something similar to that in the state of Michigan? Absolutely, that is a critical component of making sure that our, our schools are safe. Uh, our schools are, they should be there to provide education such as academics, reading, writing, math, arithmetic, simple stuff that's going to help them excel, financial literacy, American constitutional civics, understanding what our rights are and how our country's set up and, and limited, the government being limited by our constitution. So absolutely, uh, getting all of this nonsense out of our schools is important. And, and here's, here's a great comparison. 
if you look at the workplace, imagine if you go to the workplace and you start talking to some of your coworkers about some of these radical sexual ideologies that are being pushed on our kids in school, you're, you're going to get fired. There could be the sexual harassment charges. Uh, so you can't do it in the workplace with grown adults, but you can do it in schools with our children. Doesn't make any sense at all. Absolutely, we're going to push for legislation like that here in the state of Michigan and get all of that nonsense out of our schools. Absolutely. So what are some of your other plans for the school system? I know if I'm correct, you stand for uh, the money kind of following the kids where they go. So for things like, uh, you know, um, private schooling, things like that. So I, I just want to give you a chance to explain that because I feel like at least for me, and I know it's the same for you, you're, you said you're homeschooling all six of your children. Uh, I don't trust my kids in the public school at all anymore. I'd like to see it reformed, but I'd also like to see other options for parents like myself. Can encourage people to visit my website, which is Ryan D. Kelly, K E L L E Y dot com, Ryan D. Kelly dot com. And you can take a look at my 100 day plan that's on there. We've laid out the first 100 days, the things that my administration will focus on right off the bat to make sure that we're going the other direction with our state and not allowing these. Uh, these leftist destructive policies to continue in our state. But specifically with education, what you're talking about is the Supreme Court ruling. It was the federal Supreme Court ruling in the state of Maine, allowing state dollars to be used for religious education. That's a really big deal. Here in the state of Michigan, I would like to see the legislature bring me some sort of legislation. We have to work it out because there's details there that have to be worked out allowing the money to be invested in the student, the money to follow the student. Parents can choose where that dollar gets spent, whether it's, like you said, private schools, whether it's a Christian school or other some form of religious school, or if they want to use it for homeschooling. The legislation needs to include that you don't have the government, you know, sniffing around these dollars, following it, trying to push more of these radical racial and gender ideologies and providing subpar education, which is why we want the dollars to follow the student. So parents have the options to find that best school for their children to have a prosperous future. Awesome. I like that. So you mentioned your first 100 day plan. I would uh, highly recommend anybody listen to this. Go check out RyanDKelly.com. Read the first 100 day plan. I actually think it's fantastic. But one of the questions uh, that I had about your your first day in office is that Michigan's government is bloated, full of useless bureaucracy. Um, and some of the things that we hear from people is uh, their day one hires. But what we want to know is who are some of your day one fires? Who's losing their job when you become governor? Well, well I guess we'll give them a little bit of a heads up here. So first of all, uh, the director of health, health and human services will be gone on day one. The director of Michigan Department of Corrections will be gone on day one. The director of natural resources, Department of Natural Resources, the DNR will be gone on day one. Uh, the list probably continues from there. We see a lot of these bureaucrats that have either A, overstepped their constitutional authority. They've kind of become this, this you know power dictator to promulgate rules and regulations that have controlled the people and aspects of infringing upon their God-given rights that are aimed to be protected by the Constitution or like with the Department of Natural Resources, we are grossly mismanaging our natural resources here in the state of Michigan. I think that needs to be addressed in an aspect of best utilizing and drawing, uh, you know, the, the pure Michigan campaigns, looking at having antler point restrictions on our deers so that we can look at having bigger bucks. And I mean, we're covered in 50% forest here in the state of Michigan. 
why would we not be utilizing that to draw people to our state for hunting hunting is a is a huge sport obviously um that that you know people find other places to go because we don't have the big bucks around here like we once did uh, right. so there's some things that could change there we have the great lakes i, I mean there's so many amazing things in michigan to really uh to really make sure we're we're best utilizing all of these natural resources and protecting these natural resources you know i think a lot of things with the left is they point the finger to us conservatives and say oh you want to destroy the environment you want to uh you know whether it's oil or natural gas or you know on down the line if it's not in alignment with their green new deal think that we want to destroy the planet we're conservatives we want to conserve the planet i'm a huge outdoorsman I love the outdoors. Yes, we want to keep the Great Lakes amazing. Yes, we want our forests to be amazing. I want to plant more trees. I want to see more trees out there and, and utilize our land better. Uh, and so really, you know, uh, those things in the, in the state of Michigan here need some big changes. And so we get rid of the wrong people, we get the right ones in there, and we maximize our potential here in the Great Lakes state. Yeah, I think conservatives for a long time have been mischaracterized and not uh... Not that we're conservationists and we don't care about the environment because we don't want to sign on to the uh, ridiculous uh, World Economic Forum style plans. Uh, total mischaracterization of us. But enough, you, you said the word conservative a few times there, and it actually brings up an important question, I think, that uh, I, thought, I don't think a lot of people actually ask this. I've seen a lot of people in the last year or two, especially the last four years, really, that label themselves as conservative. They put that in their you know Instagram handle or their Twitter handle or whatever like that. But I'm not sure that a lot of people even have a, a clear definition of what that means or what it means to them. So I would like to ask you, what does conservatism mean to you? It, it, there's been a, a a big shift, I guess, in uh, people becoming conservatives or labeling themselves as conservatives. And again, it is a label as well. Sure. And you know, at the core of everything. Uh, I'm a I'm a red-blooded American that loves this country, that loves freedom and everything that comes along with it. You know, to me, a conservative is someone that wants to conserve the foundation of our country. What type of government did you give us? Asked to Ben Franklin, a republic, if you can keep it. We have to conserve the republic here in America, here in the state of Michigan, upholding our constitution, uh, you know, family values. Uh, being able to, um, you know, have have strong um, views on on how to create strong communities, to create strong states uh, that cherish the the God given individual freedoms that we have. Uh, those are some of the big components of conservatism that I see, is is making sure that we keep this country. You know, you mentioned the World Economic Forum, globalism. Uh, you know, you look at communist China that's trying to be imperialistic. Uh, to to bring their 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 communist government around the globe, uh, to me conservatism means opposing all of that and wanting to keep American constitutional sovereignty, remain our own country. Um, so there's a, there's other components that can go along with it there as well. But to me, that's a big component of why I'm a conservative. Speaking yeah. of China and their aggression across the uh, our country, where they've gone into states and bought up millions of acres of land. Uh, what would you do as far as governor to uh, help deter foreign entities coming into the state of Michigan and buying up vast wealth of farmland in your state? I would absolutely sign legislation that would that would that would ban these communist governments from owning land in America. 
these governments in their own countries, they, you know, they own everything. That's what communism is, right? The, the private ownership of land is something that we cherish here in the United States of America. And really, land ownership is the very basis of freedom. You know, if you don't own land, like where does that, you know, and that's why I'm against property taxes as well. Uh, and I would like to see us in the state of Michigan be able to eliminate our homesteaded property taxes so that if you buy your house, you own your house. We start there. Uh, I'd love to see them all gone at one day, but I uh, would love to start with those homesteaded property taxes, but would absolutely sign legislation saying that, you know, these these foreign interests are not able to purchase land here in the United States of America. It's, or I guess it would be Michigan, but, you know, I'd like to see that everywhere, right? But in Michigan, uh, to, to keep the Chinese communist government from owning uh, our state, because what that does is that just pushes more towards the economic forum. Now we see, uh, you know, the current governor here, uh, she's welcoming the World Economic Forum into the state of Michigan to make it a hub, to make it a headquarters. These people are not going to like me. They're not going to want me to win by any means. This is going to be a very, very tough battle. But if we can communicate it effectively, what's at stake here, we will win hands down because I'm going to tell you, most people, when they know what's going on, they don't want to have anything to do with it. We give up our sovereignty, we'll be controlled by a global government that will oppress us in ways that we can't even imagine. So you're, you're saying you don't want to eat the bugs, live in the pods, own nothing and be happy? <laughs> there you go. And here, that's a, no. this is a great, this is a great uh, part, part to insert this. Here's what's happening in our society at a, at a philosophical level. Mm-hmm. We have been based on a freedom society since our founding, the individual rights and freedoms of the people. Now we're shifting, and this has happened over the last couple of years, especially, we're shifting to a government will provide safety and security. Tell us when we can leave our houses, tell us if we should wear masks or not, when we should get a vaccine, when we should get boosted, when we are allowed to go in what places, how many people can gather at a place at certain times, because they're going to keep us safe. We're going to move from a freedom-based society. You can have freedom when the government gives you that privilege, right? Which is not how America is set up to that safety and security mindset. Uh, we, we cannot allow this to happen in America. If we lose this, if we lose this war, uh, this battle is being fought. Um, freedom will be extinct for future generations. And I'm not going to stand on the sidelines with my six children, uh, the grandchildren I have, all of your kids as well, grandchildren we're going to have. Uh, we have to fight and get this right right now. Yeah, absolutely. I was actually trying to look up that quote really quick. Uh, Benjamin Franklin once said, those who give up essential liberty to purchase a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. In the end, we'll get neither. I think that's... Uh, exactly right one of the things that you said a minute ago was about uh getting rid of the homestead tax is that correct yes so okay so one of the things um that we've seen other states do i think uh florida and texas would be along this would be uh maybe i'm wrong on florida but getting rid of the personal income tax and we've seen states like that that not only um get rid of a bunch of unnecessary taxes but actually end up with surpluses in the state of michigan uh we were told by whitmer that she would quote fix the damn roads uh but you know, that on top of increasing our gas taxes, we were also told that legalizing marijuana would bring huge tax dollars into our state. And uh, last year in 2021, Michigan brought in $1.1 billion in tax revenue, yet our roads are as bad as they've ever been. And now we're seeing stories come out like this one that says uh, Michigan deputies are answering non-urgent calls by phone because of soaring gas prices. So one of the quotes from this article is, uh, we have exhausted what funds were budgeted 
for fuel was several months to go before the budget reset. Um, that was the, from the sheriff. So uh, we're, we're not seeing Whitmer's plan to continue to tax us into oblivion working for our state. So what, what's your uh, what's your plans for that? Zero basis budget, first of all, when we look at these departments, we see so much wasteful spending. I'm going to give you an example real quick. I was speaking with some gentlemen that were in the National Guard. They are in the National Guard. And they were telling me that at the end of last year, they had pallets and pallets of ammunition. And they were going to move the ammunition back into the storage. But they were told that if we don't use that ammunition, we're not going to be able to have that allocated in our budget for next year. So they had to go and fire off all those rounds. Now, I'm all about training. I'm all about making sure that we have the resources we need to properly train, whether it's law enforcement, whether it's the military. Uh, but if we're just wasting all of that because we have to use it or we don't get the money again next year, um, how inefficient is that? That's just one example of the many, many departments that operate in that same capacity. Yeah, that's, so instead that's, called, of, a, that's called a spendex in the National Guard. I've, I've been a part, I was in the National Guard in Michigan for six years, and that's okay. exactly what we do. It would be if you didn't fire off all these rounds, and most of the time it wasn't even in training scenarios, it was just, we've got to dump this ammo, sunlights, uh, we're, we're losing sunlight, so just start firing rounds down range and uh, totally wasteful, uh, wasteful way and we didn't spend enough time actually training but just dumping dumping ammo and taxpayer dollars down the down the range and now apply that same thing to the department of education apply mm -hmm. it to department of health and human services apply it to on down the line of all of our different apartments where they just spend the money so that they can get that much at least plus more allocated next year if we do a zero basis budget and tell me what you need in those departments in order to operate, give me a budget. I don't care what we spent last year. What do you need this year in order to operate? We start working that way. I think we'll find very quickly billions of dollars being just shed right off the budget because that wasteful spending is not going to be able to, to just move right into the next year. When the current governor took office four years ago, the budget was $54 billion plus some, a little bit more, just under 55 billion. We're at 75 billion now. The question is, is how much better off are you to raise $5 billion at least every single year? We're spending tens of billions of dollars more. The roads are still a disaster. <laughs> Our public schools, they're, they're losing students. The enrollment in our schools is down. Uh, so that zero basis budget is an important component, I believe. Uh, the personal income tax uh, that in other states has been cut. You know, I look at the property taxes for a couple of ways. Uh, when you look at the personal income tax, which I, you know, to to be clear, I'm against, um, you know, uh, as many taxes as possible, including that one. Uh, but that is directly connected to how well people are doing. Right. The better off someone's doing, the more success they have, the more money that the government would collect off that particular tax. When it comes to property taxes, as the market continues to rise, as wages continue to kind of stay where they're at, property taxes will continue to go up and up and up. And like elderly, for example, maybe they're on a fixed income, their property taxes continue to rise. They're not able to pay the property tax differences. It's more money out of their pocket. Some lose their homes. Uh, you never truly own your home. Nowhere around the country has 
uh, removed those taxes 100%. Some have them much lower than other places. Um, but they're, they're, again, they're not connected to how well people are doing. It's just kind of like one of those, you know, you know, pay up or lose your house. You know, you make the decision. Uh, and it gives the government zero incentive to make it so that people are doing well in life. Uh, the personal income tax, I mean, the, the better off people are doing, the more successful businesses are, the more successful people are uh, to be making more money, the more money the government's going to collect. Uh, ultimately, I'd like to see that come through a, a point of sale tax, you know, the sales tax uh, done in that capacity. I'd like to see us uh, with our uh, Department of Motor Vehicle, right? The Secretary of State lower the amount of taxes that we have for vehicle registration. There's a guy that talked to me the other day. He's got a motor coach. It costs $700 to register in the state of Michigan. 50 bucks in Florida. Jeez, Where do you think he registered yeah. it? <laughs> Florida. <laughs> yeah, not here. Not here. I think exactly. my grandpa bought his farm back in the day for like $5,000. He probably pay, pays more in property taxes just to keep, uh, to continue to rent his farm that he owns from the government uh, than he, he bought it for back in 1950 or whatever. Exactly. You know, Mr. Kelly, uh, Michigan used to be known as a manufacturer state uh, where, you know, some of our great manufacturer companies came out of. And we've since over the decades have seen, you know, manufacturing leave the state of Michigan and leave, you know, cities like Detroit, you know, in ruin uh, in sense with uh, taking these jobs and taking them elsewhere. What can you and your administration do to make Michigan a more business business friendly state? And to attract more manufacturing jobs back to that state to provide uh, jobs for you know people who are out of work in that state. Great question. Uh, first thing that we need to address with that is energy. We see now in the state of Michigan that there's rolling blackouts that are going to be coming to a city near you. There's not enough electricity for us to continue to run our air conditioners throughout the summer in a lot of places. That came from the COO of DTE Energy. Um, but uh, we're closing down nuclear power plants in the state of Michigan. Consumers Energy wants to shut down all coal power plants by 2025. Uh, that's, uh, that's not good, right? That's a terrible direction for us to go. Uh, the current governor is trying to shut down line five, which moves a lot of petroleum products and other products uh, you know, across our entire state. We have to keep line five open. We have to build the tunnel under the straits and keep those petroleum products moving. Uh, look at drilling more Michigan-based oil, creating more natural gas. Uh, we have a lot of natural gas in the state of Michigan, natural gas power plants, keeping coal power plants open. It's something I would be in support of. We don't have to build more, but I am a strong advocate of nuclear energy and becoming an agreement state here in Michigan, taking control of our nuclear energy program and building a robust nuclear energy grid, I think is important if we wanna provide abundant, reliable, inexpensive and clean electricity, not only to residents, but to what you're talking about now with manufacturers and how to attract them to our state. First of all, you gotta be able to provide manufacturers with electricity to operate if you want them to come here in the first place. Ford moved one of their plants down to Tennessee because we didn't have the energy grid that they needed. That happened just here recently. Now let's look at a couple of other components because you know, I'm, I'm all about um, making sure that we're attracting businesses. And the question is, is what type of businesses are we attracting? We see the corporate welfare dollars to the tune of hundreds of millions go to companies like GM and Ford. Uh, and, and we collect that corporate income tax from a lot of smaller businesses and we give it to these big businesses. And, and that has to stop in our state. 
I believe that we should eliminate, uh, at least cut in half the corporate income tax, incentivize these smaller and mid-side businesses to come here to create these jobs. Because you talked about leaving the city of Detroit in ruins. Mm -hmm. those, were, those were based off these three big companies. We put all of our eggs in these three baskets, if you will. Uh, and then when they left, what happened? All the jobs left with them. Imagine if you had 10 or 12 different companies that were smaller and a little smaller in scale doing manufacturing here based in Michigan. If one of them moves, you still have a lot of others that are that are providing jobs here. You're not, you know, you're not losing all at once. And trying to incentivize those companies to move here with, with lower taxes, less regulations, provided them with electricity that will be able to help their uh, their their operations continue to function without rolling blackouts or anything like that. Uh, those are a couple of things that I think um, you know I would be very uh, apt to try to identify those type of companies and give them great deals to move here to the state of Michigan and set up base and uh, uh, have their operations here. It's nice to hear somebody actually talk about nuclear power plants as one of the uh, cleanest, safest, most green energies. I know a lot of people are afraid to say that, but it's absolutely true. All these people who want to create uh, more and more and more windmills don't realize that it takes more energy to create a windmill than it will ever produce in its lifetime. Uh, so it's good to, to talk to somebody that's actually looking at nuclear. Um, I, I know we're getting up on a half hour now, and uh, you're a very busy man. So I'd like to give you just a chance to give us some final thoughts for the primaries. What would you like people to know about you to help them uh, make the decision on Tuesday, August 2nd? If you want to know who's going to fight for you the hardest, look at the one that they're trying to silence the most. Hands down, that's Ryan Kelly. Hands down that I'm the one that uh, they feel is the biggest threat that could take Whitmer out of office. They're throwing everything that they can at me to try to discredit me and create FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt in the mind of voters. Recently, we saw a uh, election day results posted I saw showing that. that there was a projected winner. That was meant to create fear, uncertainty, and doubt in the mind of voters as well. We cannot give up on our country. We cannot stop the fight for freedom. We must go out there and vote. We must continue to be, no matter how much they try to demoralize us and, and to take away um, as much of our fight as they can, we cannot allow that to happen. We must get stronger. America is land of the free, home of the brave. I've been on this path since February 1st of 2021. I've raised the least amount of money of all the candidates because I've been focused on inspiring, engaging, and activating voters all over the state. Yes, campaigns do need money to, uh, to operate, so we have done fundraising, but that hasn't been our focus. The focus has been getting people activated and engaged, and it's working. It's working very, very well. Not bought and paid for by special interests like some of these other candidates that are. Uh, and that's why they don't want there in office, because I'm here to represent the people. I'm here to to make the changes that we all want to have uh, made in Michigan and across America to make sure we're protecting those freedoms for the next generation. So, you know, take all of that in mind when you go um, August 2nd here to, to cast your vote or if you're doing absentee ballots, you know, um, don't do that unless you have to, right? But if you are, make sure you're voting Ryan Kelly for Michigan's next governor. Let's get Whitmer out of office and let's put these America first values first so we can make sure we're protecting freedoms for the next generations. All right. Well, thank you so much, Ryan Kelly, for coming on. I just want to say I'm excited to go out and uh, vote Ryan Kelly this Tuesday, August 2nd. I hope you guys do as well. 
And uh, it was great getting to talk to you. I hope that uh, after you defeat Tudor Dixon, you can come back on this uh, show and we can talk about defeating Gretchen Whitmer and getting her out of Michigan. Sounds great. Thank you, John. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great day. You're muted, PJ. <laughs> My bad. I had myself muted. That was our interview with uh, Ryan Kelly. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, what did you think of that one, Frank? I thought it was great. Obviously, I was there for the interview. And if I lived in Michigan, I would definitely be uh, voting for Ryan Kelly. Uh, he seems to be the most based out of the individuals there. I did like the idea of of ending property tax for people that own their own property already. Uh, you shouldn't have to have to rent it from the government. That was a great idea. And of course, to funnel, uh, to do an audit of where all this money's going as far as being uh, raised in the state and actually apply it to things like what Gretchen Whitmer promised to do was fix the roads. Had she, she still hasn't done it, by the way. I did visit Michigan and the roads were terrible. Uh, the so, roads are atrocious. We're the worst in the country. Yeah. So hopefully they'll be able to address that with that interview. Uh, I think he was uh, fantastic, Ryan Kelly. And I was glad that we were able to host him and and uh, get this information out here. I know we have a couple Michigan uh, residents in the chat right now who are looking forward to this interview. I know Cher, uh, uh, Ms. Cheryl Heiss uh, wanted to know a little bit more about Ryan Kelly, and she got to listen to this interview today, and she did send a $10 super chat. So I wanted to say thank you for that, Cheryl. Uh, she said, I heard ter uh, Tudor Dixon was uh, a pure rhino. rhino. I like what Ryan Kelly had to say. Yeah, I did too. And by the way, Tudor Dixon was just endorsed by Trump today. And if uh, if that had been done earlier this week, we would have asked uh, Ryan Kelly about that. But hopefully that doesn't deter the people of Michigan to make the right choice in this. Um, you know, I think he is the best candidate, the one that, uh, uh, that gives that juxtaposed of yeah. uh, of uh, a Gretchen Whitmer, uh, and hopefully you guys will go out and vote for him. That's my personal opinion, and that's who I would vote for if I was there. But I'm not. Only you people in Michigan can do that. Yeah, well, I am in Michigan, and I spent a lot of time this week listening to long interviews with every single candidate, including Tudor Dixon, who is uh, one of the most rhino. She's backed by uh Betsy DeVos anti-Trump money, which is weird why <laughs> uh, she would get the Trump endorsement. Um, but no, I, I agree. I 100% am behind Ryan Kelly on this. Uh, he's the best one, I think, to fight for this. And when uh, I asked him that question in the beginning, you know, people are worried about uh, them coming after him. That just, to me, is a ringing endorsement. They really don't want this guy uh, to get into office. Uh, he didn't dance around the questions of if he's going to go on the offense. Um, I think his plans on on taxes, on schools, on uh, the right to life stuff is uh, super important, super good stuff. So... Uh, if you guys are going to go out, if you're in Michigan, please don't forget Tuesday that it is the primaries. You don't have to register Republican or Democrat in the state. You can just go vote um, as long as you're registered. And uh, I would say vote for Ryan Kelly. So, yeah. And I will go ahead. Well, I'll play this. Uh, I will play this full clip again. Uh, we have it going off on the Last American Pubcast channel. Um, and I will make sure I advertise this as much as I can before the, before the primary uh, to help get other people out. So if you guys haven't make sure you share this stuff out and you'll see the full interview tomorrow at 1 PM. That will be cut out specifically for the full interview. You can share it out with your friends and family who are in Michigan to be able to get that out. We, our next guest that we have here coming up was interviewed by uh, America floats Tom. And of course, PJ Williams here uh, And his name is Todd. No, not Todd, Tom, um, Tom Norton. So Tom, Tom Norton, Norton is running for the second con congressional district in Michigan. I just want to say salty D or no, I clicked on the wrong one. Uh, like salt says, love your show and guests, Frank. 
Uh, thank you guys so much. Again, just one last reminder. Please uh, share this with somebody. Give the thumbs up. Do all that great stuff. And please follow Last American Pubcast on Twitter so we can get even more great guests coming up for you guys. Um, what did Cheryl Hype say? Did you just click on? Yeah, it was Miss Hype said, uh, my friend and I are both disabled and I'm getting her to vote. Well, that is uh, awesome. Thank you, Cheryl, again for the super chat and for being here. Here is our interview uh, with Tom. And we might run a little bit over the two-hour mark today to get to some chats. If you guys have some super chats for us. Uh, but that's cool. So here is our interview with Tom Norton. Enjoy. Tom joining me and PJ here on the channel. Tom, thank you for joining. No, oh, thanks for having us on here. I appreciate you coming on. And PJ, of course, say hello. Hey, Tom. It's uh, really great to get to talk to you. Yeah, let's have a little bit of fun, guys. Absolutely. So, like, we wanted to understand, we asked you right before we started recording, the change in the district map. Because we see the people who are currently in office are going to change and have a different office, potentially. Uh, you're looking to put one of them out of work. Can you explain that a little bit? Well, yeah. When you sit there, I was running against Peter Meyer. And when they redrew the map, they drew a map where my family goes back five generations inside of the new second district. Uh, families from Hesperia, Nuevo, Montcalm County. I graduated from Greenville. We live just north of the line and there on the north side of Rockford. And uh, my wife's family is from Ionia County, which is in the new district. Uh, we have She has family in, in Barrie and Montcalm as well. So it's a very unique map where you have somebody like me that goes back five generations and my wife's family about three. And uh, so when, when they redrew this, I looked at, you know, Mr. Molinar had announced he was going to run in it as well. So I looked at his voting record and I, I noticed he was more liberal than Peter Meyer. He had a 58% score from the conservative review, whereas Peter Meyer has a 72% rating from conservative review. So that's the type of thing that we, we shouldn't have more of that. Those are much more squishy Republicans. The other thing in eight years, the only bill he had proposed was renaming a post office. That, that doesn't strike me as somebody that's actually out to do something. He's done a little bit of co-sponsoring, but voted for some really bad bills, like the NDAA bill that had red flag gun laws in it against combat veterans. And as a combat veteran, that, that kind of scares me. And it had taxpayer-funded sex changes in the military. Listen, if you want to cut your junk off, your prerogative, I, I just don't want to pay for it. And uh, that's, the, that's part of the problem was. And then instead, he's ran around and said that didn't, doesn't exist. But you can find that it exists. We know they're having the surgeries. It's made the news. And he's trying to pretend it isn't there after he voted for it. Um, on top of that, he was Health and Human Services Committee. He had voted for Joe Biden's crack pipes out of committee and on the House floor. And after we attacked him for the last uh, five, six months about his votes on crack pipes, he did last month finally come out against crack pipes and, and sponsor, I think, his second bill since he's been in the U.S. Congress in eight years. Yeah, well, I, I thought sound... we were told that uh, they, there weren't crack pipes. It was just a safe smoking kit. It was just everything you could possibly need to smoke crack. Uh, but it was okay because they took the crack pipes out eventually. So yeah, cl yeah, clean. That's <laughs> well. They're still they're still funding the needles for heroin addicts. Right. I'm just waiting them to buy uh buy beer for AA classes. <laughs> John Molinar's record doesn't sound that different than like Bernie Sanders' record. Not doing a whole lot. No new you know uh, no new ballot initiatives. No new policy initiatives. Just a bad voting record and a, a lifetime in an office doing nothing. Well, yeah, in 30 years, he hasn't accomplished much. Actually, the funnier part is the areas that we're performing the best in when we're going to doors are the area he's represented for eight years because they're like every other door. They're like, oh, thank God we get to get rid of him and because they, it's consistently that he's useless. They they're consistently say that he's a nice guy. He just doesn't do anything and they've grown tired of it. But D.C. is spending a ton of money to try to keep him because, well, he doesn't do anything. 
Well, and, and that's, that's what happens, right? They they want to keep the nice guys who won't do anything versus kind of someone who will be a little mean with them. Yeah, they, they the thing is you can have you can send him back to DC and have Mickey Mouse, or you can send somebody like me to uh, DC and have Rocky Balboa. I mean, there's two big differences there. Uh, there, matter of fact, he quit doing events and forums here about three months ago. He he, he had just decided to start skipping them. Because if we ended up at the same forum, there was such a comparing and contrasting between the two of us that he leave. He would walk in there with 50% support and the other half like, well, who's this guy and everything else where he could just gain a little bit of ground without a problem amongst grassroots. And he'd, But then he'd end up leaving with 95% of the room against him because it was such a comparing and contrasting and, uh, and only 5% supporting him. So we kept tearing into his people that he was hoping to lock down. So he just quit showing up to events and decided, well, we're, we're just going to blow money on mailers, advertising, ads, and that's it, and forget knocking doors, guys, because we don't need to, and we'll just spend money and buy this thing. So my team's knocked over 23,000 doors now, um, so you can watch his team is freaking out. Uh, if you guys have driven the center part of the state, you probably noticed we have a little bit of a footprint here and there. Yeah, and no kidding. I've not seen a John Moulinar sign, and I live near you or, or where you would be, Tom, uh, and I've seen a ton of your signs. I have not seen uh, any of his, and I can tell you 23,000 doors is a lot of door knocking. I can tell that from experience. Yeah, <laughs> I've done about, probably done eight to 12,000 myself, and then the volunteers quite a bit. Um, this last week here, the last few days, we're burning 500 to 1,000 flyers a day and door knocking. I'll be knocking doors again here for a little bit, uh, right up in Shepherd, actually. I was just working my way over, dropping off some signs and flyers to volunteers along the way. And then I'll be up there and I'll probably knock for a good three, four hours a night, get to 50 to 100 doors myself. And so, I mean, we're, we're working through it. We're not going to get to every door, but if we keep working it, keep working it. And we hit enough doors here, we, we should be able to maybe pull off a great upset. And then tomorrow I'll be knocking doors in Whitehall before I go to the Holton Parade. So, I mean, there's some big differences. We've been asking Moulinard to debate for months, and he only shows up to fundraisers if you pay him and maybe a parade. Last night, they finally scheduled a debate, and he's like, well, I'm in Washington, D.C. We're in session. And uh, he had no votes yesterday. He has no votes today. He had no votes the day before, and none of his committees were meeting the last three days. So he could have easily made it back to the district for a compare and contrast, but he doesn't want to do that because if people view the differences or see that, he's done. What's been the, the number one thing that people have told you when you're door knocking, when you're meeting people, when you're meeting uh, constituents and you have a conversation with them? What's been the thing that you're hearing over and over? Is there any one thing that you hear consistently? Uh, gas, inflation, and they're tired of Republicans not fighting. They, they, they just view the Republican Party as weak and they're tired of just sending these guys there. So what's interesting, it's a perfect compare and contrast. Uh, the biggest difference is, though, you're still up against, you know, almost $3 million that he spent and an incumbent, if he was comfortable and we weren't within striking distance of either being ahead or behind, he wouldn't spend $3 million. And we all know that on campaigns. Well, that was my next question is how much are you spending in comparison to him? Because I saw the figure publicly for him and I did not see one for you. Uh, I think it, the, that report's filed. You can pull it up. I think we're right around 245 to 300 and some odd thousand right in there. Wow. Well done. We're so about, not three, not 3 million though. Right in there. Well, that's kind of, that's a good sign that you wouldn't need yeah. and you would only be using a fraction. That's kind of what we're going for, right? You'd want well, to that's be, what I, that's what I meant by it. Yeah. A fraction of it. A 10th of the price, but you're seeing more of your yard signs. You're seeing, uh, you know, more of a grassroots campaign instead of just big, uh, donor money, which is, uh, definitely something I, something well, that we like to see. So 
best part. I did this one earlier. I'm going to share this with you guys. He uh, he sent out this mailer. So I just did a Facebook Live video. He wants to prohibit the use of taxpayer funding for elections, okay? So he wants to he's going to put an end to fracking, or franking is what they call it, right? But here's the best part. Here's also a mailer sent by him. Clearly a campaign mailer, right? It's paid for by official funds authorized by the House of Representatives. So yeah, he's so against... He's He's going to spend those dollars so long as he has access to them, but he wants to cut them off if if you'll believe that he would. I don't believe he would because he's spending them, like you said. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, so here he is. He's used your tax dollars and all this money in order to try to hold the seat. So that tells you how we're doing. Uh, we haven't ran polls. We're not going to spend a couple thousand bucks on a poll. We're going to spend a couple thousand bucks to reach voters. And, uh, I mean, we got a ton of volunteers out knocking, usually at least four or five a day out knocking doors. So, you know, we're doing good there and they're busting their hind end and we're going to see what ends up happening. Yeah. I see you've gotten some pretty uh, interesting endorsements too. Ted Nugent, Roger Stone, uh, Michael Flynn. Have you, you got a chance to uh, sit down with the mad Michiganiac Ted Nugent at all and, and get to talk to him or. Well, yeah, that's where Ted, when Ted endorsed us, uh, we, we were sitting with him. He's a very interesting man. Yeah. Yeah. I met him myself. Very, uh, <laughs> I, I like to say he's always on all the time. Yes. Yeah, he is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he's, he's definitely always on. Yeah. So, Tom, what would you want the people to know before this primary on the second? We're coming up on it. You got a few days left. You're hitting the doors hard. You're hitting the streets hard. You're spending a ton of hours. And so we appreciate you making time to talk with us. What is the thing that voters need to know that West Michigan needs to know? Uh, that is going to set you apart on the second? Well, there's a couple things. This is what I say at the doors everywhere, because in order to actually fix America, we, we, we need to restore American pride. And I'm tired of Republicans, for instance, with Title IX funding, just surrendering every single time it's up and handing whatever the Democrats want to them. So I want to weaponize Title IX funding so it's so uncomfortable for the Democrats that they finally agree with us on getting rid of the Department of Education. But in order to do that, we need to sit there and re do amendments that require the Pledge of Allegiance back in public schools, the Constitution back in every single classroom, and a university that receives that money. And if they don't do it, they lose their funding. We also require kids to go to the bathroom assigned by their basic biology. Sorry, end of day, this is sexual assault on kids. This is predatory practices. These kids still think they're dogs, cats, and unicorns when they're eight years old. So sit there and say they don't know their gender. That is somebody sitting there and manipulating them and actually doing mentally assaulting them. There, there are laws against that. These people should be prosecuted as a crime. It's become ridiculous. On top of that, we need to truly address our spending to address inflation. We need to make sure we do one vote, one bill legislation. So instead of bills that are six feet tall that we can't read, they're this tall. That way the bills have to pass on their own merits. It's not going to get rid of all the pork, but it's going to get rid of at least 80 to 90% of the pork, saving 22% on each one of these bills without a problem. That way we don't have a road getting funded in California for a dam that broke in Midland, for an example. Right. This is the type of stuff that goes on inside these bills. We should be voting on clean bills, one vote, one bill legislation, and doing zero base balance budgeting so we can control our inflation. The other part, we need real energy independence. We always talk about oil refineries pumping more oil. We need to expand, for instance, like industrialized hemp. Industrialized hemp, you can't smoke, but it can create plastics. It can replace plastic bottles. It can replace what we are manufacturing phone cases out of, 
clothes, nylons, things of that nature, and it's cheaper because our oil part isn't so much our energy consumption from driving. It's that 85% of the oil is used for all these nylons and everything else. Now, we're not changing the nylon industry, but we can change our oil dependency by shifting the economy over to something that would reduce farm subsidies itself and make, make the farmers have a new cash crop that can grow on, on garbage soil. I like that idea. Yeah, I love that. It's interesting that you say you know that they that they have John Molinar spending both campaign dollars and extra money. Uh, I'm sure he's got access to different packs. He's spending a total of three million, and I'm sure more. Um, and that's all to do nothing. Like you said, he's not voting on anything. He's got no meetings, committees, nothing, and he's kind of just holding the seat hostage so that it will not be impactive, uh, impactful, or effective. Um, it's an R plus thirty seat. It deserves it deserves Rocky Balboa, and not Mickey Mouse. Well, that's what we Absolutely. got. We got more people wanting to pack a punch and we got, we just need a boxer. We need someone to go and swing. Yeah, pretty much. I, I, I intend on getting a black guy that at least I know I'm going to be able to fight. That's where the biggest differences come in on this. Yeah. So you said, um, you know, we need to tackle inflation, get rid of some of the pork barrel spending. It, it made me think of this, uh, uh, what was it called? The inflation reduction act. If you had a chance to look at this, it's essentially, uh, the green new deal repackaged as something to fight inflation and mentions inflation al almost nowhere at all in the bill. I've only done minimal reviewing to it. And the thing yeah. is, if we're going to fight inflation, we can do this very easily. We need to, most of our national debt is actually owed to the American people. The overwhelming majority of it. $18 trillion is actually owed to the Social Security Trust Fund, these IOUs. If, if they had never touched the Social Security Trust Fund, today people can retire at 62 years of age with $67,000 a year. They wouldn't need to save for retirement. The problem is they kept stealing from it. So if we're going to really address inflation, we need to base our currency off gold or oil or some type of natural resources that exist in order to stabilize that currency so it's no longer fiat money. And it's going to increase its value, thereby increasing its decreasing inflation. The next thing that we have to do is truly reform the national budget through things like partial privatization of Social Security. We need to copy a country like Argentina, who's a, who uh, who goes through, I apologize, I mean Chile, who went through and they did this partial privatization in 1991, and the world laughed at its retirement system, and today it's considered one of the top 10 retirement systems in the planet. And what that is, is if you're a bus driver, work all your life in today's system in the United States, and you die at age 62, none of your money goes to your immediate relatives. It's poof into la-la land because of how much they've borrowed against it. So what we need to do with that new, that program is with the partial privatization, if you passed away, that money, 80% of it would be instantly inherited to your children or immediate family members. The other 20% would be maintained for people on disability and people who are survivor benefits. By doing that, we also should pass a constitutional amendment to protect it so they can't steal from that anymore unless there's an actual declared war. So that way they can't sit there and just do conflicts to borrow against it, forcing them to actually come back within their means and look at some of these other programs that they're funding. Like we have uh, we have groups of DIA, CIA, that's a duplicate organization. We can reduce that to one intelligence agency right there, saving ourselves probably close to a billion dollars a year and start going through these line items and reducing that federal budget and the spending in a few of these areas and push these folks back into the private sector. The other part is reforming our healthcare system to where you can purchase it across state lines. Removing the, uh, we should be removing the cap where you can, can't make groups or organizations to form, a, form and purchase insurance at bulk rates. 
And then the only thing the federal government should be operating in is interstate exchange system for your health insurance after you purchase it across state lines and make it easier for doctors to do the billing, which would reduce the cost and overhead for the doctors. The other part that we have to do is sit there and make sure that they do the they do this inter, interchange for record keeping so that with your permission, the doctor can access your medical history, which creates backdoor tort reform because now we aren't, aren't misdiagnosing patients and it's harder to actually harm somebody accidentally mm -hmm. and then just have an override for emergency rooms, which again would save more lives and create a much cheaper healthcare system. Uh, along with purchasing uh, medicines across uh, borders where we have countries with free trade, we should allow the purchase of medications that way. And that's going to reduce health care as well. The next thing you know, you'd have the community doctor making a comeback here in the United States. That sounds yeah, great absolutely. to me. What would you, what would you say just to a random question here? What's your thought on the death penalty? I mean, I'm, I'm, I personally, I, I personally support it, but it's really up to each state that is more of a state level thing. I mean, the constitution does have that in there for treason um, and, and things of that nature. And so at a federal level for treason, I do support it. And, sure. uh, and just thought uh, I was just a moral question. That's all. Yeah. I just personally, personally, I support it, but I am, I'm also sit there and I can understand where a state doesn't want it or, or wants it or doesn't want it. And that's really up to the people of those states. Sure. Yeah. So this uh, interview is um, we're uh, we're filming this on Friday. It's going to be going live tomorrow night on Saturday, and we also have uh, Ryan Kelly coming on uh, for Michigan Governor. So I know that you're running for U.S. Congress, and honestly, listening to you and having looked at uh, your opponent, I don't think there's much of a debate on who sh who people should be voting for in the second district. But uh, just out of curiosity, who would you be? Who are you supporting for the uh, Michigan governorship? Uh, I don't say it. I will not ever say it on camera. I will tell people privately. Okay. okay. <laughs> Fair enough. I, though, I have volunteers that are busting their hind end for me that are voting for Gary Sedano. I have volunteers who are busting their hind end for me voting for Ralph Rebrandt. I have people busting their hind end for me that are voting for Ryan Kelly. Um, and I have a couple for Tudor Dixon, a couple for Ranky that are volunteers. But I, I can tell you the, the person I'm voting for is a cigar buddy of mine. I've known him for almost 10 years. And uh, so that reduces it to at least, uh, you know, three of these individuals running for governor. And uh, he's a really good guy. Gotcha. Cool. All right. Tom, where can people find you and help support you in these last few days here? If they go to Tom.GOP, for instance, all your listeners go on, they all donate. Let's say you have about five or 10 people max out. That money will instantly go to digital advertising and we will be blasting digital all through the district nonstop if we had the money raised on a Sunday. We could have those ads up the last 24 to 48 hours at Tom.GOP. So every dollar is going towards the campaign. Um, I've spent a little over 200000 of my own personal money on it. So that's that's basically where it's going. And so anybody helping support us, it would be greatly appreciated. Cool. Awesome. Tom, hey, Tom, we, we thank you so much. Time. Yep, yeah, thank, thank you. you so much for coming on. And uh, good luck on uh, Tuesday. And hopefully we can have you back to talk about uh, things in the future. Thank you. All right, so that was Tom Norton for the second uh, district in Michigan uh, congressional race. I saw, uh, who was it earlier? I started. Um, Cheryl asked uh, where I'm at. I'm not actually in the second congressional district, but uh, I live just north of Lansing in Clinton County, but uh, Tom does live in uh, Tom's district, if that makes sense. <laughs> so that was your first time seeing that, uh, Frank. What'd you think? I thought it was great. Uh, yeah, that was the first time. I was supposed to be with the guys on that interview, but I was on the golf course all day with my son, 
preparing for golf tryouts. So I could not make it. Uh, But you guys did a fantastic job. It was a very great interview. I thought he he uh, represented what he wanted to convey to the audience and to the voters. uh, Very, very good. So um, I don't know. You know, as far as uh, I was talking uh, to Tom, America floats, Tom. And it looks like he's sold on uh, on this Tom. So, you know, if you guys are out there in that sex, uh, congressional second district and you guys like what he had to say and compared to your current representative, I encourage you to go out there and vote for him. And, and I'm thankful that we were able to provide these interviews for you guys in Michigan and, of course, in Florida because we had a Florida congressional candidate uh, at the beginning of the show. So hopefully this will be able to help you guys make a better informed decision, uh, maybe because they didn't get a whole lot of mainstream media coverage. They're getting some coverage here. And if you are, I will mention again, if you want somebody to be interviewed on here or be able to uh, have an opportunity to come on and talk about things, please follow us over on the Twitter. Um, Twitter, Last American Pubcast, you guys can follow it. It's at the very top of every streaming platform right now. It's pinned to the top. Click it. Go and become a follower. DMs are open, so if there's anybody that you want us to try to check out or if you have a great tip on somebody to talk to, please let us know. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, get a hold of us about those memes, guys. We need a, we need a meme maker for Last American Pubcast. Um, thank you guys again so much for watching this. And again, like he said, follow the Twitter. But if you guys um, also, we had been asked about alternative platforms. It's solo.to slash Last American Pubcast. That's literally all of our links. Well, Almost all of them. We had to limit it because you can. We have so many between the three of us. Uh, but yeah, so you can find all of uh, Last American Pubcast stuff there and our individual links there as well. So yeah, and as as always, we dedicate the last few minutes for uh, answering the super chats at the end of each show, and we do have a couple here. We just like to uh, point them out and highlight them. I'll go ahead and grab this one here. This was from Sleeper. It was a super sticker, and we do appreciate it, Sleeper. Thank you so much. Um, you. As we continue to grow this plat uh, this platform, this show. And we continue to do our best to reach out to new guests. And we do have a fantastic guest. He's been on the Freedom Streams back before we retired, before I retired to Freedom Streams. Uh, we're going to have Bryson Gray on next Saturday night at 7 p.m. So if you're interested in checking him out, he's going to talk to us about his uh, suspensions that he had over on YouTube uh, and the current music that he's currently making and how much of an impact that it's making culturally. Uh, so I'm excited to have uh, Bryson Gray on with us next Saturday. I'm sure it's going to be fun uh, to uh, to have him. Yeah, I couldn't possibly be more excited to actually get a chance to talk to Bryson Gray. Uh, so definitely uh, let people know about that stream next Saturday at 7 because that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. So, And also we had another super chat here. This was from Movie Dog. It was earlier in the evening. Uh, $5 super uh, sticker. He asked us to look into a senator uh, candidate, correct? Uh, yes, um, and I have it pulled up. So we're looking into uh, Eric Schmidt for U.S. Senate. In Missouri. In Missouri, yes. Yes, so we're going to hey, look into that movie, dog. We'll do our best to see if we can get him on. Uh, don't know if we will be able to, but we will reach out. So that you have our word. So thank you, movie dog, for the $5 super chat. We also have here one from Cheryl Hypes. And Cheryl, thank you once again. She says, thank you for having such a great show, guys. I really needed this. I had a lot of questions about what these candidates were about. I may, I may, uh, I may have to go vote absentee on Monday. I'm disabled here. So we do appreciate it so much. Thank you, Miss uh, Cheryl Hypes, yeah, uh, thank for you. the super chat. And of course, so I 
I'm glad we were able to help uh, provide some information with the candidates that are in your area there. Yeah, Cheryl, thank you again so much. I uh, saw a lot of great chats coming from you in the stream, and uh, I'm glad that we were able to help. That's that's part of the reason we did this. I had said something about Ryan Kelly a few weeks ago, and I saw a lot of chats from people saying, I just don't know who to vote for, so I hope that helped you guys. And uh, thank you for watching. Yeah, we have another one here just coming in from Alien Testosterone. He says, go Buckeyes. Is there uh, a ban button? For <laughs> <laughs> I'll go you Buckeyes. Ban them. Uh, if on. they give you money, I'll take you ban them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll take it, I guess, this time. <laughs> Thank you. That was awesome. Uh, so, again, uh, next week we will have Bryson Gray on with us. We will have Tom from America Floats joining us once again. Again, he was at a wedding this uh, week, so he couldn't join us. Uh, but I'm excited to have to be able to have co-host uh, with, uh, with uh, PJ over here and to be able to have this wonderful show. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. If we're able to do more of these interviews throughout the week, we will tape them and we will provide them in a show. And of course, if there is a special that we have to do before a primary or something like that, we will do one. Um, Absolutely. It's not not something that's out of the realm of possibility. Uh, We want to continue to grow and expand this show. And hopefully we're educating, entertaining uh, as many people as possible. So don't forget to hit that share button. Uh, like button, subscribe button. Go subscribe over at the Last American Pubcast channel. Uh, that's where this live stream will be after we're finished through here um, on the Let's Be Frank sh- uh, channel. That'll be deleted from this channel, but it will live forever over on the home channel of Last American Pubcast. Absolutely. You mind if I answer one quick question from Absolutely, chat real quick man. before you end? Yeah. All right. So Cheryl did ask us, what do I, what do I think about Garrett Soldano? I like Garrett Soldano. When it comes to the five people running in Michigan, just to give you guys a quick breakdown, last thoughts on it. Uh, Tudor Dixon is all uh, big political money. Not a fan. Uh, Rinky couldn't be more boring. Than, uh, I'm just, he just is. He's boring and he's uh, weak need on so many issues. I just. And then uh, what's the other guy? Uh, Rembrandt. He seems all right. Saldana would be my second pick to Kelly, but I just think Kelly has what it takes to win. Um, and I don't think that Saldano has what it takes to beat Tudor Dixon on Tuesday. And, uh, you know, uh, that's that's kind of why I've gone with kelly and i just i liked i like talking to him i think he had a lot of great answers and uh so that's why that's that's my suggestion i just wanted to do a quick shout out before we get to that next super chat there i just wanted to say thank you to salty d for being a uh, mod over on the last american pubcast and sharing those links uh throughout the evening over on that channel so thank you so much salty d uh i do appreciate you deanna um also uh, don't forget to hit me up over on twitter for the memes you were interested so i look forward to talking to you uh, about the memes on that. Uh, so thank you. Give, make sure you give Salty D some love over there on the last American Pubcast chat. Uh, give her a, a big, big round of applause. I think she deserves it over there. So thank you. And of course, all the mods over here on the Let's Be Frank channel. I do appreciate you guys too. Thank you for help holding down the chat. Uh, we have this uh, super chat coming in from Bobby Walter. It says, I can hear. <laughs> all right. <laughs> dot, um, dot, dot. Oh, hey, you know what? <laughs> last uh, last thought real quick. I don't know if I've ever mentioned this before, but we also do put this show on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or Google Podcasts, whatever. So if you have friends that, like uh, like me, generally listen to stuff because you drive a lot more than uh, are able to watch things live, uh, I would suggest that. So tell them it's available anywhere they want to listen to it, anywhere podcasts are sold or listened to for free. <laughs> Yeah, thank you, Bobby Walters. You, oh, Bobby was watching this over on Odyssey. So, yeah, thank you uh, over there. Oh, let me double check over on Odyssey, make sure there wasn't any last-minute questions before we got here. Uh, Tater Talk got the coof again. Let's go, Brandon. Why does Frank look like Tom? <laughs> uh, 
Somebody uh, said Tudor is backed by the Davos family. No, thanks. Uh, Garrett Salando is awesome, too. I'm voting for him, says uh, Art Creation over there on Odyssey. And let's see here. Anything else over here? Nope, that was it over here on as far as that. Bobby Walter says she couldn't donate, or Bobby Walter couldn't donate over there on Odyssey, but Bobby did donate over on YouTube, so. So Cheryl asked for that uh, link. So there's the link if you guys want to find all of our stuff. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, that's over on the Last American Pub. You, oh, yeah. I should popped it up on all of them. Okay. There it is. Cool. All right. Well, fantastic. Well, I appreciate all of you guys uh, showing up tonight to support the channel and support this uh, awesome live stream that we continue to have on Saturday nights. Don't forget to tell your friends and family about it. Uh, it's a great uh, two-hour stream, and, of course, it's not too uh, not too early, but not too late. Uh, get everybody a chance to be able to come in and actually enjoy it. Uh, again, did Frank lose some weight? No, I don't know. I don't know if I lost any weight. I Looking good, like Frank. I, have. I don't feel like I have lost weight, but <laughs> I've been on the golf course a lot lately. It's sweating, so maybe I've just sweated out the water uh, pounds. <laughs> Not so much the fat pounds. <laughs> um, uh, next week, we shall have, uh, of course, uh, we'll have uh, Bryson Gray on with us, and that will be more of your typical uh, American Pubcast uh, live stream where we'll be talking about articles and, and having Bryson weigh in on things, talk about what's going on in his career and how he is proceeding uh, moving forward here and talking about the upcoming midterms and, of course, his uh, dedication to following Christ, which is the biggest thing I think he wants people to know about more Absolutely. than anything else he does is, you know, to win, uh, to win people to Christ. And that's his biggest uh, focus, of, you know, and I absolutely love him for that. Yeah. And if you guys want to see certain types of interviews, or certain guests, just let us know and we'll uh, try to try to get them. So. So that's right. So uh, for. For uh for the last American podcast, I'm Frank, PJ, and for Tom who is not here, I say have a safe evening. Thank you so much for the support and God bless. Make sure you take a sip of your favorite beverage for the end of the show, and All we'll right. see you guys next Saturday at 7 p.m. Eastern. God bless. God bless everybody. <laughs>